Yo, Joe! Welcome to the Average G.I. Joe Podcast with your host, Adam Herrera. A one-on-one conversation between two veterans. On this week's show is... They say anybody can make any rate, but only guys can make the most of it. It's your boy, Ronald Williamson. Former BM2 Service Warfare! All day, every day, baby, let's get it. Let's no. get it. That was actually that was actually badass. Yeah, I know, dude. There's a couple of good sound bites in there already. I'm like, son of a bitch, this guy's hot. I know. <laughs> Got it. Uh, welcome to the Average Yeah Joe podcast, where I interview veterans. Today, I got a special co-host, Joe DeCavill. You may know him from Sea Stories, and uh, he's a huge, big, huge fan of my guest. I got to start with this first. I'm used to calling you Will, just just because from from the boat days. Do you prefer what's what's your preference these days? Will is fine. People right. still call me Will. <laughs> all right, all right, that works. I was going to ask that same thing. I was like, Ooh, Ron, that's Julius, RJW. Yeah, um, yeah. Will, I Will don't know what to do. Will right. is just fine. <laughs> all right, man of many names, man of many names. So we're, we're interested in getting into your, your wrestling stuff, but we want to talk to some Navy stuff really quick. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, can you talk about what you did in the Navy really quick? Um, as a bosun mate, um, the utility man of the Navy is what I, I like to tell uh, people that don't know anything about the Navy. Basically, um, we're in charge of getting the ship moving, um, security to painting, maintenance, you name it. If it needs to be done outside, a bosun mate's got his hands on it. And um, that's basically what I did um, on the seaside and on the land side, um, I did boat security. I was just driving um, boats, big boats um, for, uh, it used to be Maritime Expeditionary Security Group 2, and they turned into Riverines uh, right as I got out. I was like, no, I could have been a Riverine. So, <laughs> How long were you? I was already on my way. I was in seven years, okay. 10 months, 28 days. <laughs> so, <laughs> six hours. <laughs> We were in around the same time because we were cranking around at the same mm-hmm. time, if you remember. Right. I also like to ask if you could uh, just pick any day in the Navy. Can you go? What, what was your average day in the Navy like? And just just pick a random day if you can. Uh. Uh, I think I don't know. Every day was different, at least for me. Like. Yeah. Um, I, I knew I had to do work and stuff like that, but uh, like every day, just, you know, being able to talk to different people from all over the place, everybody's from somewhere different, getting to learn about, um, you know, where you're from. I didn't know um, that there weren't that many black people in Oregon, <laughs> you know, but it's like little things like that, that I just picked up on, um, but uh a regular day for me is just, you know, getting the work done and uh, going home so we could go out drinking or have a good time, party, <laughs> hang out, whatever. All right. I mean, that's the goal after after a while, you know. <laughs> <laughs> one day at a time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the, uh, okay, well then, I'll jump in. I'll tell you, if, if my idea, one of the worst jobs I ever saw Bosun made doing at any point in my naval career was 
when they when y'all would lay the uh, chains on the ground and have to uh, like, bust the rust off of those things, uh, dude, it was like days and days and days of y'all <laughs> of you guys doing that stuff. And I was like, there is no way I could. No, it's nine hundred degrees outside, and the ground is hotter than hell. It's sharp. I was so happy when we went to the yards because I was already. I think I had. I I was either BM three or BM two. So I didn't have to bust any of the rust on that anchor chain. But trying to get the semen to work and, and keep them on task was so hard in the yards because it was hot like every day and on that barge. There was no shade. There's no shade. You got the, the civilian guys busting on the side of ships, stuff falling down. I'm like, oh man, too much. I was coking and smoking at that point, but <laughs> it still, it still was like, it was a lot of work because even if I wasn't on the actual chain, getting it up there, getting it hooked up for the riggers, any, anything like that outside was, it was always tough work, but I enjoyed it. That's just what I wanted to do. Um, unfortunately, my family didn't like that I was an outside guy. It's like, why don't you do computers? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be in the inside freezing. I want to be outside, heaving lines and yelling at people. Yeah. Which nobody took me serious with my voice. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, I can see that being a thing, but uh, I mean, you got some dimensions on you that uh, that are kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get deep on them. It changes. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you though. Uh, Man, I, I I know I know the type of person that I am, and I would have been a huge shithead in deck. I would have been horrible. I, I, could, I, right. I know I know I couldn't handle it, man. I no. Nah. You're, you're a good time. You you keep every smiles on people's faces. I mean, and uh, the thing with deck when I got there as a seaman, like there's always that like one or two guys they work hard. Uh, but then it can be hard to work with, yet they keep everybody happy in the morale. And that's kind of what you need sometimes. You got to have a little pushback every once in a while, a little uh, a little friction. It makes the work day exciting because then we can just, you know, we get through it. It's a different set of problems. It breaks up the day. It's, I don't know, it's just, it's a crazy dynamic of so many different people and work ethic. Um. But it's, it's never really a bad time. Even when you think it is at that moment, later on, you're like, man, that was funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, let's start your journey from the beginning. I like to start from like the high school, college days of when you start thinking about your life and where your life is going. Um, wh where are you from originally? I am from, a, uh, well, let's go all the way back. I was born in White Plains, New York. And um, I was a month early and I got, to, I got my first helicopter ride on the day I was born to Harlem Hospital. And that's where I stayed for like two weeks. Fast forward, I turned 10, I'm from Florida now. <laughs> so when I got to the ship, I used to tell people I was from Florida. Um, I'm from a small town called Mount Dora, um, second best place to retire in the US back in that, that 
way back in the early 2000s. So that could tell you how much fun my, my town was. When you graduate, <laughs> you want to get the hell away from there. <laughs> but um, I had had a son uh, my senior year and playing football in college didn't seem like a responsible thing for me to do. You're a kid. And I had to think about, yeah. I'm right? sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know you had a kid at that, that age. Yeah, yeah. So my my whole aspect, I, I was already in ROTC in high school and I had been thinking about it. I had actually started um, applying to the academy to play football. And I applied to the Air Force Academy and I had, I had my recommendation letters had all the things I needed to send off, but I could never get the recruiter from the Air Force to sit down with me, mm. which uh, put a lot of, uh, made me real salty. Because <laughs> yeah. I, really, I really wanted to join the Air Force, but the, uh, this cool uh, Navy guy came up knocking on my door. He wooed my mom. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the, talking about <laughs> talking about the uh, the uniforms, and he promised that I'd be able to play football in the Navy. Um, but I wish that if I would have known I could switch my package from the Air Force to the Naval Academy, uh, I would have I would have done that. And he wasn't trying to do that for me. He was just trying to get me get me in. And so he made a few promises he didn't keep and I made sure to let him know about it when I got out of boot camp. <laughs> but yeah, I had a son and um, I had offers to go to co different colleges, play division three football. And um, I just didn't accept them. I was like, I got a, I got a, uh, I got a little boy. I got to take this responsibility and, uh, you know, take care of him and, and help his mama uh, the best way I could. So I, I joined the Navy. And um, 2003, June 16th, nine o'clock in the morning, I got in that white van to the airport. <laughs> well, and, uh, we'll get into that part in a little bit. Yeah. I want to come back. I want to come back a little bit. Um, <laughs> how, how, well, how much about your military career does your, your immediate family know? Um, well... My uh, my mom called me like every day. Okay. <laughs> she knew where I was, what I was doing. Um, everybody pretty much. I tell everybody all my stories, sea stories for RJ RJ Williams. Still working on that book. I've been working with BM One. Don't worry, we'll get it out there. <laughs> but now, uh, I don't know. Um, every, I'm really open about my. Uh, yeah all my Navy experiences, all the things that I did, some of the things I shouldn't have done. I use them as uh, learning tools for younger guys. Uh, since I work on a military base here, yeah. I happen to run into a lot of young sailors. So I like to, I, I like to be that guy. Hey, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> are you, are you. Are you like first generation uh, military? Or? That's my next question. How much um, history in your family? Um, there's not a lot of military history in my family. Like on my father's side, um, like my dad, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to fight. He's like, I'm not fighting the white man's war. That was kind of his deal. And I was like, okay, dad, whatever. <laughs> I'm going. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, my grandfather, he was a, 
he was a cook um, during World War II. He was a, he was a part of uh, an oiler, I guess you'd say. He was on an oiler that was servicing military during that time, that time frame. And um, I mean, that's about as far back as I know uh, within my immediate family. I have some uh, cousins and stuff that have joined the army and so forth like that. And, but close to me, I'm the only, I'm the only one to, uh, to serve full, that, that the time to serve full time. Now, uh, said the, uh, the Navy recruiter came in and wooed your family. Um, so how'd your family take it when you told them this is what you're going to do? Um, I, well, I had been to ROTC um, since I had started R uh, junior ROTC, since I started high school. So it was kind of one of those things that um, they kind of knew I was already interested in going. And my mom supported it because she knew that um, I'd be taken care of yeah. and, uh, and I'd be able to see the world and all that good stuff that comes with it. I mean, they were all aware. My stepfather, um, he fought in, uh, well, I want to say he was in Vietnam. I'm not sure. He's really old, like super old. <laughs> but um, he, he was in the army and um, he was very supportive as well. But his advice was really bad. <laughs> uh, it, wasn't too, it wasn't really bad. He just, his advice didn't fit the times. So I like, it's a little different. <laughs> I like how when I do some interviews, I, they answer some of the questions that I got. It makes, makes it a lot easier. <laughs> but before we get to that, uh, what were some of your preconceptions about boot camp and the military in general? Um, I didn't. I knew I didn't want to join like the Marines or the Army. I just felt like that wasn't where I wanted to be. And uh, I've always had a fascination with the with the sea and water. And so, uh, uh, going to boot camp. One of the things my my recruiter did that was honest it was like he told me how boot camp was going to run. He told me what to expect. I mean, he actually prepared me for that part of it without feeding me no, no, uh, no bull crap. So uh, going into boot camp, I had the mindset that, um, you know, just do what I'm told, um, learn and um, get healthy because I'm definitely going <laughs> to be getting beat the whole time. So um definitely uh make the most of the experience and uh so going into boot camp like I wasn't worried about anything like I bet the only thing I was probably worried about was if I was going to be able to call my mom or be able to eat some cookies or drink a soda here and there well you were like, coming off of a probably a pretty <laughs> successful or decent uh high school college or high school college like high school football uh, yeah. so, I mean, you're obviously in some sort of shape. It wasn't like you were, you know, you weren't like rolling out of like. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you know what? Um, my senior year, see, um, he signed me up during the summertime and I was in the, uh, the delayed entry program. But when I weighed in at MEPS, I had, I had been um, gaining weight for division three football. I needed to be over 230 pounds for my position to get looked at. And so, um, 
I had spent the whole summer drinking sodas and eating ice cream, just adding weight. And I checked in at two forty-five, and um, that's when I start. When I once I did my combine at that weight, I started getting letters from the yeah. division three, division two. But he was like, "You got to lose all that because for your height, you need to be two hundred and five pounds." And he said, "You got to do it in two weeks. Two weeks." So. I I in the middle in the middle of season I cut I cut about twenty something pounds to get down and then uh and make it. I made the I made weight. How at tall mess. are you? I'm six foot three. Shit. What what position were you playing? I was playing uh tight end and defensive tackle and defensive end. And um I was mostly I, was mo- I played mostly uh, tight end my senior year. I was playing both ways, but I was more offense to defense. And um, the average tight end in the state of Florida uh, for the All-Star, All-Stars at the time was like 6'5", 245, 260. Like, I got an honorable mention from uh, for to do uh, – to go for the county – all county players. But – on the board, everybody was two to three inches taller than me and weighed like 30, 40 pounds more than me. There's no way I was getting up there. Even if I did have a better year than some some of the guys, it just wasn't happening. So, Yo, I fucking love this podcast because you learn the coolest shit about the people. It's crazy, dude. Like, I'm, I'm like blown away. I'm like, Give me. and I guess it's like the enthusiasm, like during the whole thing, you know, like you like, like. Sorry, man, we're breaking out here for a second, but man, you're like really enthusiastic about this whole thing, dude. I mean, I, I, I just, like, threw a crumble out there, dude, and it exploded into something like way cooler than what I thought was going to happen. You, you know what happened? You know how I got this way? Spot checks. It's all about the spot checks. I have to do one with the, the skipper or the captain. I, I It's different. I had to do one with the captain of the ship, and I, I learned that if I fit him, all the information as I'm telling you, oh, he can never he, he can never ask me questions. You get it all. He'd be like, we'll be halfway through the check, and he'd be like, okay, I've seen enough. Good job. And I'm like, well, you're not getting out of this interview any earlier if you answer all the questions. <laughs> you're sitting here for four hours, Will. Let's talk about actually going to boot camp. I like to talk about like the ver- the actual travel day to boot camp. I I can still uh I can still go through it in my brain and then mm-hmm. uh, my question is um when did it hit you that this is going to be your life now and uh how was that first day of traveling to boot camp what kind of things were you feeling uh i think uh it didn't really set in how serious it was going to be until we got off the bus <laughs> like the bus from the from the airport in Chicago and we're pulling through and you see the gates and all the bricks and you're like, oh, okay, we're here. And then there's then they're just yelling, get off the bus. And, um I kind of felt like I was gonna be in trouble because we stood I felt like we stood at that we had to like when you get off the bus, there's like these little places where you're supposed to put your feet or whatever, and you gotta stand and everybody's supposed to put their stuff in their left hand and it's like like 20 30 people that kept doing their right hand and i was like he's i wanted to like turn like you dumb motherfuckers just 
left hand. Like I was just as mad as RDCs. You know, it's late at night, but I'm tired. Uh, I'm I'm not really tired. I'm like I'm excited, but I think once I got off the bus and and we and then we started moving on into different sections and getting split up and all the stuff that goes on on that first night. Of, I I called it hell. That's probably the worst part of boot camp is the first night, yeah. and um, I was just exhausted. But I was like, there's no going home. Like once you get off the bus, that's it. Like you're there. And if you want to go home, they're going to keep you there a lot longer than everybody else. <laughs> and 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 uh, and just with me, just with my the the way that I was raised, and um, you know. Uh, playing team sports and stuff like that um the the will to not give up and just do what you got to do to get through and so and being that the one thing my recruiter did good was give me all the ins and outs of what was going to happen I was prepared for everything that they were throwing at me and I knew not to take anything personal and uh Whew. Boy, did they tear my ass up when they heard me talk. Okay. I can all, <laughs> oh, man. And it's six foot three, two, <laughs> two, two, two oh five at this point, hopefully. Yeah, two oh five. Six three, two oh five. And you come in there and you, and you, you stop smoking like that. They were so, uh, man, I have a picture. I have a picture. I look like when I look at this picture, I look like I, I don't like this say crackhead but I swear to you I look like I have been starving for like <laughs> years like my skin was like boom. I had a, I could wrap my hands around my neck my arms were thin I mean I look crazy at 205 205 pounds is not light no but the I was so skinny and it didn't make sense to me like when I look back at those pictures I'm like that was me me? No way. Where's that at now? <laughs> did your uh, did your head already see when he saw uh, you know who his division was going to be? And he saw he had a six foot three, two oh five guy. Was he like instant arpoc? And then you were like, <laughs> you said something, and he was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so my ass when we they had us sitting in a room and they're just like talking to us. Not quite yelling, but like kind of forcefully talking at us. And they were like, okay, we got positions within the, the division. And I'm going to tell you what each one is. You're going to raise your hand if you want to be it. So I raised my hand for every single one because I'm like, I need to be outgoing because that's how I'm going to get out of here, right? Let's just be a part of everything. And uh, But the problem is when you raise your hand, He's going to ask you why you deserve to be whatever that position is. Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn it. So the, the, he did the A-Rock first, who just does cadence. He's like, yeah. assistant. I was like, yeah, I'll do cadence. And he was like, what's your name? Uh, Seaman uh, Recruit or whatever. Uh, and I'm like, sir, you're petty officer. Ronald Williams is sir. And he's like, Sit the hell down. <laughs> 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 like, I just finished my whole name and he heard my 
she's like, you gotta be kidding me, right? He's, you're kidding me. And, but I kept raising my hand for everything. And um, I ended up being Starboard Watch uh, section leader. Okay. Oh, nice. So <laughs> they, they was like, you know what? We'll, <laughs> we gotta give him something because he's the only one raising, like I'm the only one at one point still raising my hand. Everybody else is like, nah, <laughs> I don't want to be <laughs> So they gave me that. And um, that that started, I became kind of famous for my little bit of time because every morning we have to get in the grinder. And as soon as we start walking out, all the other RDCs, after like that first time I did all the section watch calls and stuff like that, there was like, everybody be quiet. Michael Jackson is hitting the grinder. And everybody had to be quiet. And then we'd all line up, and then I had to do a uh, starboard watch section for uh, And then they're like, yeah, Michael Jackson. That's, that's them every morning. Every time I hit the grinder, so they cut, just cut it off, and they have to hear me talk. And um, Brother Division used to beat me. Like, they would, they would beat me. He'd come in, and he'd see me, and he'd say, all right, man. Use your big boy voice. And I'm like, I hadn't hit them with the deep voice not one time. I was saving it. And uh, and <laughs> he's like, hit me with your deep voice. I'm like, no, I don't have one, sir. This is my voice. Get on your six pack. No, beat, beat the deep voice. Out. Yeah. I got beat a lot. I'm telling you, if it wasn't for those cards, they had started doing them stress cards. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be here today to talk to you that. <laughs> you put one out? <laughs> no, they had their own stress card. They would go down uh, down the line. They could only do like 10 exercises in like 30 minutes or whatever the time frame was. Oh, okay. And that's how they... Yeah, so... And then for, uh, those, for those that don't know, when he says he got beat, it's just that the... Discipline through physical exercise. They weren't fucking beating him with a stick. No, <laughs> no, no, no. We're in the Navy. They beat us with boat oars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how was your overall boot camp experience mentally and physically? <laughs> I think we know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, uh, boot camp was fun for me. I got to learn a lot. Um it made me uh, have more respect for uh, the military, and it really made me wish that I could come back and be an RDC because I thought that would be a good look for me. Um, I think the, I only had two problems in boot camp. Um, one, they pulled. I had to get my wisdom teeth pulled, and I was still the starboard watch section leader, and. The art, it was at midnight and the RDC comes in and the guy that I put on watch didn't greet him. So since he didn't get greeted, he came all the way down to my rack and didn't see my SIQ chick and snatched me out of my rack and started cussing at me. And he was asking me to talk, but I had a mouthful of cotton. So I was like, <laughs> he was tearing my tail up. And um, he had to apologize to me. He like, please don't make a complaint. And I was like, I'm not gonna complain, man. You just didn't know, you know. I wasn't one of those people. 
Man, you could and be on. You could own a ship right now. If you had to complain about that. I, I could if if I knew better. I probably would have because he's just—it's a big piece of paper. How could you miss that? He was just made, so mad. He might have made you chief right then and there. Man, I tell you what, and uh, I had—I was walking by myself, and one of the brother division RDCs um, saw me, and he grabbed me, and. I had already just walked from medical, which was like way on the other side of the base. And we walked back over there to the um, RDC lounge. He walked me into the lounge and it had female RDC. Some, uh, it's like nine or 10 of them. And he said, Petty, Seaman uh, Recruit Williamson, say hello to all the RDCs. And I'm scared because I'm like, I'm not supposed to talk because I'm by myself. So I say hello, Petty Officers. And they laughed because they never, he was showing off my voice. Oh, man. Yeah. So they was laughing at me. And he says, all right. By this point, I had given them a deep voice so they could stop beating me. So he's like, all right, now give them the Barry White voice. <laughs> and I was like, hello, petty officers. And like all the female <laughs> petty officers was like, oh, my. <laughs> like, like, like <clears throat> so like. It wasn't embarrassing for me. It didn't hurt my feelings. I knew what he was doing because I was just a unique person to everybody because of my voice. So, but I got fired. They fired me from that position because they felt like I was going to go and make a complaint for what he did. So they moved me out of that position so that I wouldn't draw no more attention to my voice because I was doing the calls. I even had to do a cadence Feeling educators, you ever heard this voice doing one, two, one, two, three, four, <laughs> going down the street? Come on now, you'll be like, what? What division is that? <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did it. I was able to do stuff like that. But um, those are only two times that I really had some trouble. And uh, one of the petty officers, it was during the time where you're not supposed to. It's like the don't ask, don't tell. And he, he asked me without asking me if I was gay. <laughs> and oh that God. caused some trouble. And he got, he, he, he goes like this, are you, you this? I was like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? And I was like, he was like, this or this? And I'm like, is that a donut? And this <laughs> odd dog. This is me. And he was like, okay, okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, you know. I don't want your feelings to be hurt. I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs> like, you guys are weird. Like, just let me be the sailor that I, I came here to be. <laughs> if these stories are all true, dude, you seriously could have been Master Chief. <laughs> this is like, this is, geez, I'll tell you what, dude, in, in today's environment, this shit would not fucking fly. No. I mean, it wasn't no, like we went, it, it, it's not even like we went to like we were in boot camp in fucking like 1964. <laughs> it was like 2001. I was in there in 2001. Right. What are you, 2002? Uh, 2003, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? We were the last, we were the last, like my group was the last guys to um, do the service week where you go, where you could either stay in the ship. Oh, and fuck. do the floors. I forgot about I hate, that. that I hate that fucking thing. Damn it. Thanks a lot. I pushed that from my memory. So did I. Hey, look, I had a good. I was in the galley. 
Oh, that was terrible. That was the worst place to be. No, it wasn't. It wasn't because you, you put your little broom up under your belt and you close your eyes and you, you zombie walk down the hallway. You get a good two, three minutes. And then when the guys come in with the bacon, get by the civilian with the bacon and they'll hand you some bacon in the morning. I'm telling you, bro, the galley was where you wanted to be. You didn't want to be in the ship. Heck no. But we were the last uh, ones. Dishes that whole entire time. They do in the oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh man, that's uh, rough. Um, Eating mid rats. <laughs> <laughs> I tell uh, you what, though. So we know um, uh, we it, got the graduation ceremony where we do the passing reviews for the family and everything. But I'd like to talk about the 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 other ceremony, the when we change from the recruit ball caps to the Navy ball caps because. Um, that was pretty emotional time. Um, that's when, you know, the RDCs, they talk to you like men now. They see the product of their work and, and there's a thing said. How was that? How was that moment for you? Was it as emotional for you as it was for me? Um, yeah. I mean, we just went through uh, uh, what they call it at the time, battle battle stations. And, and um <clears throat> You know, to see the RDCs flip that switch, yeah, and and um, and now you're not you're not a recruit, you're a seaman, whatever. Yeah, you know that that um, it hits you. Yeah, you can't. It's it's like something that comes. You can't quite explain the feeling, but it hits you, and you you're gonna tear up. And you you're gonna try to man up and try not to let it come out like water faucet or something. But it is it's a moment where all this stuff you went through, um, everything that you endured was worth it for that moment. Yeah. Like, yes, I'm on to the next stage of whatever this is gonna be. <laughs> you know, and that's that's always a good feeling. I think um I don't know if it hits the same way for guys now as it did for us. I think we had it, even though we didn't have it as hard as all those guys that was going in the nineties and eighties. Yeah, we still had we still had that. It's just something different. Man. It's hard to explain, but it's just something that hits you, and um, it doesn't matter whether you hate it the whole time you were there or not. Getting that ball cap swapped out is like. Ah, life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did this. You know, it's the biggest thing you do. If you're a young person and you're in boot camp, it's like the biggest thing that you you're, you probably do in your life. And it means so much, but it just means something different to everybody. But when it hits you, it hits you, man. That's how, you. Joe, <laughs> that's how Joe explained it to me. And I, I never thought about, about it that way, but that's never that's, done anything. You yeah. graduated high school. Which mm -hmm. I said, I mean, like, you know, so many people graduate high school, it's not really that much of an accomplishment. Right. But the finite amount of people that, you know, go to the Navy, make it through boot camp, mm -hmm. get that, go through that like ceremony with, you know, 90 something other people or whatever they're with you, you know, and then you've, yeah, it's, I mean, like, you know, it, it, yeah, it's mentioned that measure if you already played a team sport before mm -hmm. and you did that. I mean, like the feeling of like camaraderie and all that shit is you know yeah. I, I mean it does i mean like no matter how tough you are as a person or whatever 
No, <laughs> you, you're going to get choked up just a hair. It mm-hmm. gets kind of dusty in that room a little bit. Uh, it does. does. It's my allergies. Do you, do you remember your first meal after boot camp? Like, I'm assuming this is like that Liberty weekend when you're after the ceremony and you're, you're free to go out in town. Do you remember your first meal after boot camp? Uh, no, actually, I don't. Not a lot of people. Uh, I like to ask it because it sounds like I'm asking someone who just got out of jail what their first meal was. <laughs> I mean, it feels that way. Yeah. I, mean, um, I, I like to tell people that was the Rainforest Cafe at Gurney Mills Mall. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was. I know. I I know that's. I know that's where I went. It's like the first place I went. Um. When I went over to a uh, Seaman A School or C School or whatever Seaman ATD, I went over to Seaman ATD because you know I didn't have no job when I signed up. I wanted to. Another thing the recruiter lied about. (laughs) Oh, you don't know what you want to do. Go ahead and be an undesignated seaman, and you can try out all the different jobs. <laughs> oh, what a crock of bull crap that was! But anyway, um, I don't exactly remember what I ate. I know that I I ate though, like I ain't never ate before. <laughs> <laughs> but I do remember the meal that we that first meal early in the morning after battle stations. Yeah, because they had lo- lobsters and steaks, and I was like. I don't know why you guys acting like you ain't hungry. I'm hungry. (laughs) And nobody's over here rushing me or nothing like that. So I'm going to (laughs) eat. Oh, yeah, man. Not like a giant pile of nachos. I remember nachos. Pizza. They had a chicken cord on Blue Station. (laughs) So um... I never... Ate so much chicken corn born blue in my life until the name. I am either, man, and it's delicious. I still buy like the frozen ones from time to time just to remember. Yes, you are not alone. You are not alone. Just because I remember how good, like when you got a perfect one, like how good they were. There was like a oh, there was a really small space of time that was like we just cut into it and it was all this perfect. And then other times it was just like a piece of shoe with a chicken inside of it. <laughs> Um, so you, you touched on it a little bit. Uh, so I guess you went in un- undesignated mm-hmm. and then you went to training. I'm assuming that was still in Chicago across the street. Yeah. How was that training experience for you? Um, that training experience was really good. I actually, that's where my brain was like, I want to be a bosun mate. Okay. Like I didn't know what a bosun mate was until I got there. And, and then I was upset because everybody in my class, everybody in my class got a sign-in bonus, and I didn't. So I was like, is that another thing that the recruiter messed me over with? Or did I not qualify for it? I'll never know. But what I do know is it made me mad, but it also made me work harder than everybody. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm still going to earn my paycheck. I'm still going to do what I need to do. And um, a matter of fact, <clears throat> one of my lifelong friends still, I met a semen ATD and we were fighting. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, QM2 Santiago. Yeah. Um, yes. So she was like two weeks ahead of us. And um, our class was button heads at who was senior. And I, I was in control of the senior class. 
and uh, uh, for the seaman side of it, she was in control of the QMs, and we were butting heads and fighting one day. And who would have thought? A couple weeks later, me and her would end up on the same ship. <laughs> I like I know you. I know you too. Oh, we gotta finish this fight right now. <laughs> uh, did you work in high school by chance? Did you have a job when you were going through high school? Um, after my mom didn't want me to have a job, she wanted me to, uh, you know, enjoy being a teenager. That's and just seems my, like you my brother really good work had, ethic, um, just like even going right into boot or into the BM thing. You're like, I'm gonna work hard. I'm gonna do this. Like it almost seems like like anyway, you right. you kind of glossed over glossed over your high school shit really fast. <laughs> so I was just kind of curious if you were I if did, you had a job or not. But so this is like your first real job. I as did well. have a job. Well, no, I, I did have a job after football season. Um, I had to start paying child support, so I oh. didn't even have a job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got I got hit with all kinds of you know stuff. This is stuff I try to tell the young guys. Hey, yeah, keep okay. it in your pants. <laughs> but yeah, no, I started working at Walmart um, right after football. Oh man, me and you both probably. I did Walmart in high school too, dude. Payroll. <laughs> and, and what I did was I did the uh, military leave for Walmart, so. Not a lot of people don't know that you can join the military. If you work at Walmart and you decide you join the military, um, they can hold your employment. They'll still hire somebody to fill your spot. But when you, let's say you get hurt or get uh, pushed out the military early or whatever, you have a job to come back to. Mm. So my contract with Walmart was for five years, even though I had four years in the Navy. And at the fifth year, I could renew it to keep my job place. So even if I, I worked the next 20 years in the Navy, when I got out, I'd have a job at Walmart. Oh, crazy. But, yeah, so it's it was one of those things that they had. I don't know if they have it now, but then they had it. And it was a, it was a really good deal to have. And I'm glad I kind of had it for as long as I did because um, it gave me peace of mind. Yeah. Like if I got hurt and stuff like that. And it helped my mom to stop, like, relax, because she's like, what if you get hurt and you have to get out? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> all right, sorry, but, for, um, sorry for that uh, Sorry for that sidetrack all there, man. I just no, curious, no. You know, no that, that, I didn't even know that about Walmart. I, I worked there, too, and I, I didn't have any. I, <laughs> I had the best job. I worked in the garden center, and I drove the forklift. Oh, wait, well. <laughs> Where were you at, Joe? Uh, I worked in sporting goods and automotive. Yeah. <laughs> That's where I wanted to go. I wanted to build bicycles, but they wouldn't let us. I, we were, we, only the adults, the adults could do that stuff. Yeah. So. Um, how'd you pick orders to your first duty station? It was broken up. Say that again. Uh, how did how did you pick orders to your first duty set, station? The big don. Um, you know. You know how they give you the dream sheet in boot camp? That's that's part two of my question. What was on your dream sheet? I had a battleship on my dream sheet, (laughs) not knowing that battleships have been decommissioned. So the battleship, because I knew it from TV and stuff, was like my first choice. First choice, battleship. Second choice, destroyer. And I think I had like third was the carrier. And then uh, 
it said uh, duty stations was like Mayport, San Diego, Norfolk, and Japan, and somewhere else on there. And I was like, Japan number one, San Diego number two. I'll go back to Florida, and I had like Norfolk was like last. Yeah. And it, when they gave when they gave us the orders, when my orders was cut, and I seen that I wasn't on a, a battleship, that hurt. <laughs> still didn't know. <laughs> I still didn't know. And uh, I got Norfolk, PDG 75. I'm like, what? Norfolk? Well, I mean, it can't be too bad. I wanted to go to Japan, damn it. <laughs> um, so... Uh... Hold on, I, I just want to I just want to rewind here because I, I'm mm-hmm. so you uh you you picked your orders while you were in boot camp. You picked the you got to pick, it's like a dream sheet. So you just kind of picked the you didn't really pick a duty station. It uh-huh. was like what do, what are these places and things you would like to do? Put a check mark next to, and okay. it kind of I guess I I do dream sheets for pilots, and it's all suggestive stuff. So it's like on here. Where do you, which home port would you like to go to? What jet would you like to fly? You know, doesn't mean you're going to get any of that stuff, but that's kind of how how they did us. Um, it was like that that last week where they told us, "Hey, fill this out," and then I don't think I got my orders cut until I was like in the middle of my uh, my school because okay, I was going okay. to my semen ATD, and that's when I knew it was like, "I'm not going to a battleship. Come on!" <laughs> that's that's crazy i uh, you got to keep in mind on on our side of things um we got mm-hmm. out of boot camp and we 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 did two years of school before we hit the donald cook or damn near two years of school yeah. so like we didn't pick orders and do dream sheets and stuff until shit i was almost 21 years old by that time and even with that you're it's your destroyer or a cruiser that's it oh yeah 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 cruiser <laughs> destroyer that was it that, that's all we got uh but we we got to we got to choose you know which where we wanted to go and then the orders come in it's all <laughs> fucking Norfolk. <laughs> but so you so when they when they gave you the when you when you when you got orders cut you you didn't get they didn't like take you into a room with like all the ships out there you didn't, they just were like boom this is the ship you're going to. Pretty much because uh, okay. I don't think I was I could be off my memory a little fuzzy I could okay. be off but we were only a seaman at I think four four to. Six weeks, uh-huh. I think, learning se- basic seamanship, and um, I just remember having to fill out that dream sheet while I was still in my division at boot camp, and then later on getting my orders because I also had to tell them if I was going to go home for the uh, the heart program. I do like two weeks with the recruiter, which yeah. I do the two weeks, and this mofo is gone. <laughs> oh, I was ready to get out of it. <laughs> You ruined my. You ruined my life. Yeah, I'm not playing football. No one's. I got only one job. Ready to go to captain. (laughs) Oh, geez, that's tough, man. But you, you, you I know, right? So you got two free weeks of leave out of that. Uh, I believe it was like it's supposed to be like 14 days. Yeah, and um, two weeks of recruiting with your recruiter. Mm-hmm. Better send me home. Yeah, yeah. Like I did. I didn't. I, I think I did. Uh, I checked in on a Wednesday. I mean, I got there, checked in on a. I went home on. I was home on Monday. I checked in on a Wednesday. 
I called him on a Friday. I didn't have to come in. And then he was like, hey, if you want to come with me to the schools on one of these days and just talk to the kids at your school, we can do that. And I was like, okay. And I, I went back to my old school and talked to some of the kids I knew from when I graduated and are now seniors and told them about my experience. I said, don't let this dude lie to you like they lied to me. <laughs> destroyed it from the inside i like it so yep <laughs> so up to uh up to this point you know you went through boot camp you did your couple of weeks at semen mm-hmm. training you're you're probably talking to like mm-hmm. the crust saltiest boatswain's mates at the training facility um what were some of your pre- mm-hmm. what were some of your preconceptions about joining the fleet and fleet life and stuff like that um i didn't I mean, I knew kind of from preparing for battle stations, kind of how dangerous ship life could be. Um, But we didn't have an understanding. I didn't have that understanding about line work and deck stuff. And um, as they were explaining how stuff goes, what could happen with the lines and stuff, I was like, oh, whoa, I could lose a leg. Okay. (laughs) You know, Uh, but... um, I was still in that, also in that mindset, uh, I still get to try other jobs. So I don't put all my eggs in the basket of being a bosun mate just yet. I originally wanted to be an MA. So that was my goal. And they said, uh, I think I needed more points. I think I needed more points. I needed to retake the ASVAB for mm-hmm. something to get to, to qualify for the MA. And I, I kind of, that's really what I wanted to do from the beginning. And because uh, my best friend, he left the week before me and he was going for the MA. And I was like, I'll meet you there. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then then I got sucked into the uh, undesignated semen route, which was fine. And I could still get I could still get there. But as I started working, doing the 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 lines and the deck work and the unreps and all that stuff and preparing for they were preparing me for. Um, I started to like it way more than being a cookie cop. <laughs> no offense to the to the to the to the cookies out there, you know. That's okay. <laughs> no, I remember. I remember it's you, how we uh, roll, baby. I remember you getting being three pretty quickly. It seemed like like after when you got to the ship, like you immediately struck for that, and like you know, while other people were you know floundering around trying to be you know whatever else that you know had a high, harder mm-hmm. interest exam where and being three is kind of a tough thing to make or maybe maybe it was um I mean you made it, it was, your first it time was, didn't you I made it on my second time so the first time it was one percent advancement <clears throat> mm, I scored feeling. I think in the 88 <laughs> I scored in the 88 percentile they only they only rated uh like 27 yeah so i did i did i did well on the test but just not well enough but that next test i was in the the, like top 90 something percent i studied my ass off and i made it and that was that put me at a year and a half i think yeah i was already because i had the rotc i was already at e3 so the timing was when I started boot camp to the time they did the exams. Like I was on the ship for like a month or, or two months before the first exam. Oh, nice. For me. 
And then I did the next exam. And, and then the next time I mean, you had all that time under your belt anyway of being yeah. just on the ship and just picking random shit up that you don't even realize and just whipping right. through that. T- and then if you were studying as well, I mean, yeah, good, good work, well, man. If it's like 27 at a time, fuck. that's good hey, stuff. Look, I'm going to be... Uh, I'm going to be honest, right? I'm going to be super transparent. I, I had always felt like I wasn't getting a fair opportunity to uh, be, uh, prepare myself for the test. The first one came up short. Um, I hadn't really been doing deck stuff, like the actual Bosa make deck stuff. I was always painting and stuff. They stuck me in the, they stuck me in the paint locker. Oh, and yeah. I was in the, I was in the paint locker the whole time. Um, and this is why I think uh, I always give homage to uh, BM, at the time he's BM2 Felton. Oh, Felton? If it wasn't for Felton. Uh, Solid dude. If it wasn't for Felton giving me the materials that I needed to study, right now, you're not on the deck doing Bosomate stuff that you need to help you with this stuff. But just put your nose in the book and try to absorb what you can, and prove everybody that's against, that you feel is against you wrong. Does he knew how I felt? I was like, I'm not getting this opportunity. I see everybody else getting the opportunity to set up an unrent rig or run something or do the boat, David, and I'm I'm in the paint locker, <laughs> you know? Yeah, wasting away. Yeah, so I put my nose to the ground and really studied my ass off with those dry-ass North Star tapes <laughs> and the dry-ass Boston Manual. It is not exciting to read at all, and uh, but I did it. And um, I showed everybody that I wanted it. I, I mean, it just... When I talk to the young sailors, um, when I catch one every now and then, I always tell them, like, if any time you ever feel like nobody's on your side, you are on your side. So keep, keep digging and keep working. And trust me, everything will fall into place. And that's, that's all they need to do is just trust the process. And I think being too Felton for giving me that motivation and that support um, when I needed it. Because I really... Do you remember oh, Adam? Spider-Man. Felton's <laughs> a good, good dude. I always liked him. <laughs> um, I think we did some EDC one time together. Maybe not. I don't remember if, it, if that was it with me, me and him or not. So now I like to what I like to. I want to talk about what I like to call sailor experience number two. This hasn't been hitting as well as I, I I like it to. But you being a former BM, you were a lot more intimate to, with the ship than we were. Um, mm-hmm. can you talk to me about the ship smell. The first time you smelled it, you stepped on board the ship. Is is it as horrible oh. to you as it was to me? Is basically what I'm asking. Man, I got there and the duty driver took like forever to pick me up. Knowing how I know how far the base is from that, the airport, oh, he, he should have been there. And I went, he was late. SK, SK2 Brown, I think it was, who picked me up. And um, I remember him driving down the, down the pier, parking the van, and the steam is what I always remember. The, <laughs> the fucking steam. That's what I smell. That steam smell. Like yeah. it's stale. It's been steaming for umpteen million years. 
if that's what I smell, and um, and then the ship being painted, the uh, the paint, I, I think they had been painting or something that day, yeah. so I could smell fresh paint. But other than that, like the th- biggest thing that sticks out to me every time I think about the ship is the damn pier and the freaking steam, just. It's just like, oh, I hate this place already. Foreshadowing. <laughs> a little foreshadowing right there. <laughs> That's funny, though. It's funny that you, you bring that up, man, because we've heard that before. <laughs> um, all right. All right, so now we're on the boat, and now you get to be a sailor. Can you tell me about your the first time going out, experiencing going out to sea? And I don't mean deployment. I just mean taking the boat out onto the water for the first time. How was that for you? Yeah. Uh, very scary. I was actually, I, I don't think I have been, like everything, you know how like you're like in shock. So like everything is kind of coming at you and you're just taking it as it comes. But like this, the biggest ship I've ever been on is moving <laughs> <laughs> and there's things happening and there's people yelling and moving and doing stuff and saying words that I'm supposed to understand, but all of a sudden, <laughs> all that's gone. Cause I'm just enamored with how this big gray vessel is just getting underway. It's a warship, it's a billion dollars and it's moving and I'm on it. Where are we going? <laughs> you know, just, um, that first time getting underway, I don't even remember what we did. I think we went out for a day yeah. and we came back or something. And um, <laughs> and it, it was actually weeks because I think when I got there, I think it was like a week and a half before we actually got underway. And uh, that anticipation coming up to that day and whoo, I tell you what. I could only imagine like I could almost picture it right now like those feelings it's, feelings is what i'm trying to remember you know you don't want to you don't want to like show your hand i guess you know so you're trying to be like like low-key jazzed about it because you yeah. got you got the dudes in the division who, you know they've done two deployments already and they're like oh my god i gotta go out to sea again they're all salty and stuff yeah. like, and i mean as a boss's mate too you got to be like well fuck. like you know like, this is like the, this is like you know this is the big your big moment this is when you get discovered right and uh, <laughs> yeah dude i i can i can totally see where i well, i know how i felt first mm-hmm. off and i was and i and, and we did aft line handlers like i was like line right. 5 or something you know and uh, <laughs> but i remember just being you know like oh man i'm 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 a really a part of this thing now you know, and just get you like know, super pumped. And then as a, as a post, I mean, your whole job is to get underway and get back in. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. Like in wrestling, um, like when I see somebody that I've seen on TV or somebody I, I, that I grew up watching, um, they call it mark. We call it marking out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you try, like you try to be cool. Like when I met um, Ted DiBiase, I was like, I gotta take a picture with you. Let's take a picture. I remember you when I was like, I was like, I forgot that I'm wrestling that night and I'm supposed to be like this big, mean black guy. And right now I'm like the little kid in the candy store, you know? And 
I think that's the same, like what you're saying, it's the same thing, like that first underway, and everybody's, like the cool sailors are all like, yeah, we're getting underway again, and you're over here like, what's that? What's this doing? Why we're getting underway, we're getting underway. What's yeah, yeah. Wow, yep. look at and the it, water, just dolphins. They're like, we're like, hey, this flying fish. And they're like, yeah, whatever. You guys see that? You guys see that glow in the dark plankton? <laughs> yeah, the go- what? <laughs> yeah, I'm from Kansas, man. All that shit blew me, blew me away. <laughs> I was blacking out half the time. Were you were you prontis? Oh man. Um, I didn't have any seasickness. I was surprised. Like I didn't get sick like everybody. A couple of the guys I knew, like the ship could be moored up and uh, <laughs> it'll move very minute. Like I'm talking about, you wouldn't even notice it's moving, but they know it's moving. They're like, Burr. I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I, I think the only time I got seasick is um, anytime we crossed um, the med in March, which seemed to be all the time. And um, not the med, but the Atlantic Ocean Atlantic. in March. And uh, it's like 25, 30 foot swells, and we're doing this, and everybody's in it. Oh, like that that drives me crazy yeah. so that would get me sick and I'd, I'd be happy to be in my rack for that stuff but most of the time okay for okay for seasickness I was never one of those dudes me. who got seasick man like no matter what they were like it was it always upset me because then they expect a lot more out of me yeah yeah you know like oh well everyone else is sick so we need you to stand watch for you know like no man like let me go down and just like screw around in mid rats there's no one else down there the food's delicious right now it hasn't been picked over by everybody all right <laughs> like eight oh, fresh yeah, nuggets. With- like at 18 foot seas i would start to get like headaches but i never got like nausea or anything like that i just got headaches but there were those guys. I mean, Anytime. as soon as the lines got thrown off the pier, they were like, "Oh, oh, oh shit!" Well, there he is. Calling the dinosaurs. Uh-oh. Do you guys remember? Oh man! Do you guys remember eating lunch with one hand on your cup and the other hand on your fork or whatever? Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> All day, man. The that, that, struggle that trying to eat a soup. And like holding the bowl so you can get the soup. Hold it sideways and the soup like, doesn't fall. Yeah. Like, why did I get a soup? I don't understand this. This is ridiculous. Who this cooked bowl the of cereal soup? with too much milk? <laughs> oh, it, it's gone. Man. Yeah. Those were the days. Well, like those man, tables had those, they those tables had those like fold up like metal oh yeah something that i never did anyone ever actually use that they would no, pop the no. pop the donald cook tablecloth off for a second and uh, yeah like if, yeah if they would have just took the damn tablecloth yeah take the damn tablecloth i'm off. sure i'm sure i'm sure donald cook would understand that we're trying to eat a meal here civilized i don't know man hey well um talk to me about your first deployment what were some of your expectations and compared to the reality of what you went through um, Which was the first deployment? Was it? Was it? It was the one that we were all on, right? Or all of our first deployment? Yep. I think it was all of our. Yeah. First yeah. Okay. All that right. Cool, man. The, Let's get to, into to it. The golf. Yep. The golf. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know what my expectation was for deployment. I know that um, I, I was looking forward to seeing some of the countries that we might had were going to have a port call for. 
Um, I didn't know exactly what we'd be doing. I got a crash course in, um, I don't know if I did my LSC before that deployment, but I was, no, I was doing chalk and chain at the time. I did LSC when I came back. But um, I was looking forward to learning what playing guard was and, um, and just, I was kind of like in the moment where let's go where we're going to go. Um, I think by that time uh, we had, I've been on the ship a year before that went out deployment yeah. or almost a year. So uh, by that time I felt like I was salty, even though I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anybody that, man. You're getting fired up. <laughs> right. But uh with your uh, I don't know what your, I three Fort Lauderdale deployments. <laughs> yeah, your tutor. Yeah, right. You're a salty sailor now. <laughs> Bro, I've been oh, on yeah. the coast. Well, you know, I, I tell you what, one of those is the one where we, we crashed into the pier. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that shit was hilarious. I remember man. that. Oh, yeah. It was an embarrassing right in front of a casino ship. With yeah. all the people on the deck. That was, a, that was like, like oh! Hollywood, Florida. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> that was, yeah, Horrible. that was, that was kind of, I, I was on the after end of the ship when, that, when we hit. And I remember, I think it was Cole was like, man, we're getting close to that pier over there. And <laughs> <laughs> then, then like we like shot forward and there's this seawall right there. And uh, Felton is like, we're about to hit, the, we're about to hit the seawall. We're about to hit the seawall. Like, <laughs> then the ship is like shaking back. Man, everybody was so like confused. And you know what it was? Uh, they should have put the tug aft instead of forward. And he was supposed to get two tugs, and he only did the one tug. And the, and he put it up forward, and that tug could only pull the bow out. It couldn't push the damn ass out. And that's what kept that. That's why we looked like a horrible parallel parking. Yeah. So I remember that, but they never really came back and was like, "This is what happened." Da 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 da. But like, we all figured it out. Like, eavesdropping on the chiefs and stuff. Like, yeah, somebody up there was fucking up. <laughs> but, yeah, that was. No one lost their job for that or anything, did they? No, I mean it was lots of qualifications. Somebody. <laughs> we we we. I think we. As soon as we pulled back in, we had somebody hanging over the side painting it and uh, fixing it up. And I remember you were out, you were out there with some bondo. Uh, no, it, it's no. The dent stayed. We didn't fix the dent. We left the dent there. I think somebody came to check to make sure that it wasn't no holes or anything. But we just painted over it. That dent stayed. I believe it's still there today. I, I could almost picture it. <laughs> you know what? I kind of want to know if it is. Uh, yeah. So anybody listening that's still on board USS Donald Cook, we need to know if that dent's on the back end of that ship or not. <laughs> You'll know when you see it. <laughs> oh, trust me, he can't miss it. <laughs> oh um, man. So I got I got three more things about deployments. Number mm -hmm. one is what was your favorite port out of whatever whatever deployment? Just your overall favorite port? Uh, Not in the United States, like Joe always wants to answer. <laughs> well, uh, I, if I add up both my deployments, I think um, my favorite places would be, uh, I liked Israel, and um, 
I always want to say Malta, but that was just the place to get drunk. So I don't know. Um, I liked my visit to um, Israel, and I definitely enjoyed my time um, when we went to Greece. Yeah. Um, but all in all, anywhere I ever been, I, I, we ever went, I tried to like take in like the culture and stuff like that. But I think I think my one of my favorite was uh, we went to France and we did a um, we went to a, like an orphanage or something and we painted oh. their orphanage and hung out with the kids and whatnot. That was something cool, uh, just something that I can look back on and say, look, I did something super cool with some people. So that you, didn't signed up, you signed up for those like, humanitarian <laughs> things then? Um, that was the only one that I did. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Man, now I kind of feel bad. I never did that. I never even thought about it. And I still haven't thought about that to this day until you brought it up just now. And I'm like, son of a bitch. Maybe I should have done that. I did it because... Uh, you helped some strippers. I, I did... I, <laughs> I'd put some chicks in nursing school. <laughs> I think we, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't make me cheer up, man. Uh, oh man. Uh, I don't know. I enjoyed everywhere we've been. Um, yeah. I really liked Israel because we had the. Um, we ha- I went on the tour and we had the the soldier the ex soldier with the missing finger, and I was telling this story today to a, a colleague of mine, and I was like, um, I realized that overseas, um, people don't understand the context and the use of, of our cuss words. Yeah. So they would they would use them thinking that it's okay in these sentences. So he was like, over here. This is the mother freaking Jordan <laughs> River where mother freaking Jesus oh, shit. got baptized. And we're like, oh, did he say that? No, but we're all military. So we're like, this fool, this dude here, right? We're all like making jokes of it. But the other tourists that were on there were like, oh my word. <laughs> but um, he had to, somebody said something to him and he was like, the Marines, I do a lot of Marine tours. And the Marines talk to each other like, hey, what's up, mofo? And da-da-da-da-da. Uh, so his, his way of trying to connect with us is by using their vernacular. Uh, and I'm like, that's cool with all Marines, but not these people up here, these regular tourists from America. Uh, they don't understand. They don't understand that. We're motherfuckers. Oh man! I mean, it was all day, and we were just like, "Crazy times, man!" Um, You learn a lot from uh, different cultures. I didn't realize, um, I didn't realize how much of our language is misunderstood, Mm -hmm. and um, it gives you it gives you a better appreciation of uh, how other people think and receive things, because like. I think the first place we went to was Tarragona, Spain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the first deployment, and they put me at the gate with no firearm with a guy with a, a Spanish guy with a six shooter. And I'm like, this is supposed to protect us from we're the first line of defense with a six shots. Him. <laughs> but he Those knew Spaniards just like, are good shots though. I, well, I was I didn't believe in any of it. Okay. You got this. You got this uh, 19-year-old kid. Watch any Western. (laughs) 
You got this 19-year-old kid standing a ECP watch with no weapon and a radio. <laughs> you know, and um no whistle, he, he knew, I thought they gave us whistles. <laughs> I didn't have a whistle. Uh, Y'all got whistles? I didn't get no whistle. <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> now he knew just enough English to uh to get uh to tell me about how they just got fresh prints. Fresh Prince been off the air by that time. <laughs> oh, yeah, by like oh, 20, at, 15 years. Yeah, so my whole, my whole five-hour watch with this guy was talking about episodes from Fresh Prince that I could barely remember. <laughs> uh, you should, but um, it was cool because... You should have ruined the asked, episode for him. <laughs> <laughs> he... He would ask me uh, what certain things that he would say. What does fresh mean? What does dope mean? Oh. All the little slang words. Because <laughs> he didn't understand it. He just knows it's funny. I'm like, okay. Though <laughs> <laughs> Those watches were kind of ridiculous. I had to do one in uh, Oman one time and I wasn't armed and the guy at the front gate had like a it was some sort of like compact like semi-automatic like machine pistol thing yeah, mp5 or something mm-hmm. i don't know what it was i mean i, I guess looking back and yeah it probably wasn't mp5 but i just remember being <laughs> like dude this has got a fucking dope ass weapon out here and all i've got is my wits and my fists <laughs> my wits <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do that's all you got it's, it's crazy but like, wear, wear this bulletproof that. vest bro this is a fishing vest my improv is improv skills are pretty high, so I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna put on a quick a quick play for any terrorists that wanna come get me. You gotta get your MacGyver on. I'm gonna right. take this blade of grass and Yeah, I was pulling out packs and <laughs> the cellophane off of a pack of cigarettes. Um I look every time I I couldn't believe they would do that to us. I was like, how do you put me on a boat watch with no weapon? What am I supposed to do? Yeah, like, <laughs> a random boat? And- yeah. I guess t- turn my back. I'm 6'3", so I guess just <laughs> <Yeah>. shoot me. <laughs> um, you, you brought up you brought up Wal- Malta, which brings me up to, uh, which reminds me of Sailor Experience number three, what I like to call the shit bar. And let me explain it really quickly. Uh. So you're on deployment, you see the same 200 people every day for X amount of days straight, every single mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You pull into a port and it's Liberty Club. You go out and, and you do your thing, you're touring, and then by the end of the night, you're, you're starting to get a little shitty. And mm-hmm. then the whole ship usually just congregates to this one, the same bar at the same time, and everybody's hugging and smiling and laughing like they've never seen never seen <laughs> or you mm-hmm. can you comment on the ship bar uh yeah i don't know do you guys remember uh roads yep do you remember when i dj'd at the club at Rhodes? no you guys don't remember that okay <clears throat> so this is my best memory of the ship's okay. bar because um fuck i don't I think remember with- shit <laughs> so because in Malta I did the same thing I took over the club yeah. I just jumped up on the d- DJ tables until the DJ came but I did this in Rhodes the first night we got there um, I think it was our second trip there 
I can't remember if it was the first deployment or the second. I think it was the second deployment I did it. But um, I was, I, I, I said, I told the owner, I said, I can DJ. I'm a DJ for a little bit till your guy gets here. And I DJ for about an hour. And like, I had most of the ship in there. Yeah. And he was like, oh man, you made me a lot of money. You got to come back. I was like, listen, I guarantee you that I will bring the entire ship to this club after my duty day because <laughs> I had duty in the middle. And he was like, you made it. I said, yes, I do. And um, I was telling everybody about it. I was like, yeah, I come. He's going to throw the drinks. He's going to have everything is ready. I'm going to get on the turntables. I grab my big old bag of CDs for the for the things and whatnot. And I remember uh, I walked up and on the, he put my name on the chalkboard outside of the bar. DJ Big Will, tonight, America, oh, whatever. And I remember, <laughs> I remember like all the bigger tall dudes on the ship that came, he made them like security. And everybody from the ship was like pouring outside drinking. Everybody was in there and I was just DJing my ass off. And Did I remember, uh, <laughs> vaguely, Did you maybe. Guys, did you guys miss the party? Because everybody was in there. I could swear no, everybody. I could have been pretty <laughs> shitty, but maybe I was on duty. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I was there. We had to. Well, if we were out in town, we had to have been there, but I don't remember that at all. I must have been. <laughs> uh, well, I've got pictures to prove that it was there. I even, my, uh, my autograph is still on the wall. It's uh, at the Brothers. It was called Brothers Club or Brothers Bar is what it was called. And uh, he tried to like pay me with money and I didn't take his money. And he paid me with a bottle of his liquor off the shelf. And then he paid all the guys he turned into security bottles of liquor too. It was a good night, man. That was like really fun. Cause it's like, okay, we've all had been working, retired, you know, we're tired of looking at each other, but just for like that one night, everybody's like, forget all the problems we have. Let's just have a good time and run up a tab and um it was cool just to be a part of that and see everybody just really enjoy themselves and just let loose yeah because you know being on that tin can for a while you just be like i hate this place yeah i hate you even your best friend you can have a best friend and just one day you just be like dude i hate you <laughs> but i love you but i hate you right now i just don't want to look at you <laughs> i see your face every day <laughs> And then, it, and then it all comes together, man. Yeah. Did you do a uh, deployment souvenirs? Um. So I got into the habit on my first day to do sightseeing and souvenirs. Yeah. And then every other, and then the rest of the time is get get smashed. That's <laughs> 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 basically as long as I could take pictures and do everything I wanted to do on the first day, so that I could. Mem remember and enjoy and tell the tell that stories to like my mom I didn't want to tell my mom oh mom I got shit faced in, in Oman and I jumped off off the two flights of stairs in Canada you know I didn't want to tell her stuff like that like in Barcelona <laughs> well yeah I had uh, I had like seven or eight Long Island iced teas <laughs> and uh, I jumped off 
I jumped down two flights of stairs and I landed Indian style. And uh, the next day I was in a lot of pain because, you know, I was really wasted. <laughs> the, the Navy took you to Canada? Halifax, Went to, Yep. Were you That's on, the, on board that, too, Adam? We did what? A, we did a little northern... Uh, Excursion? Yeah. Look, we came back from deployment. And then, like two months later, they're like, "Hey, you're going back out for like two more months." That was like your second, to... second deployment, right? After the second deployment. After the second deployment, like they screwed us royally, and That's sent us back out. Because we went to uh, we went to Denmark. Denmark, our, uh, Denmark, Norway. Did we go to Scotland? Yes, Glass, Glass, Glasgow, Scotland. Yes, you sure enough. I, I, I keep forgetting to put that one on my list. Thank you, because I couldn't remember it to save my life. And then we went to Canada. Canada was like on the way back. That was the, that was the trip that I, uh, I, I became the man overboard. <laughs> those, those of you that remember that. <laughs> For me and my boat crew. This, this is my entire. This you, fell, you fell overboard? Uh, I didn't fall off the ships per se but um well i could talk about it because it's, it's it's not no big deal um basically they should they were doing the practice torpedo deal and we need to put the boat in the water to go retrieve it and bulldog number one wouldn't start we got to the water i couldn't get it to go so we pulled it back up set it back in the skid and now bulldog number two is facing it's facing the rear end of the ship. And um, the seas were like five to six. So it looked like the ship was sitting still in the water, but it's actually moving like three knots. But everybody on the radio from the bridge down to the deck said, dead in the water. So when we went, I said, maybe we should still rotate the boat. And they're like, no, it's fine. We'll just put it down because we're dead in the water. So me and my boat crew are going down backwards into the ocean. And uh, I look down and the water's like going across the water line like this. I'm like, this, this ain't dead in the water. And it turned my boat and turned our boat into a bucket. Basically the rear end just caught all the water and it started to flood out. And I lost my SAR swimmer, my boat engineer fell in. And uh, it was me and the boat officer and we was holding on to the uh, to the console, the metal bar, and I we were just trying to hold, and they were trying to pull the boat back up, but the salt water got over the uh, batteries and sent a nice little electrical shock, so me and him get blown off <laughs> into the ocean. Ridiculous! And I did you know all this, Adam? Yes. I, I did a full backflip into the ocean, and when I came up, the, the first the thing I said. Out. The first thing I said was, because everybody stand, all the uh, the STGs or whatever, they're all standing there. Everybody's standing there. I'm like, you motherfuckers get me out of the water. They're like blowing the ship's whistle and man overboard. And the SAR swimmer's what? coming over to me. He's like, you need me to help you? I'm like, no, I can swim just like you can. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, then we had to climb the uh, pilot's ladder to get back on the ship. And that's why I took all my energy to climb up there. That's a long and, uh, ways up there. 
yeah. I was like, how come you guys didn't put the little thing down and pull my ass up like I do everybody else? Y'all made me climb. I was cussing the whole time. Man, I was mad. I was, I was so, so mad. So everybody in the, in the pilot house and everything was like, you know, dead, dead in the water. Like they didn't think the ship dead was moving at all. But it was going about five knots. And so it just yeah. basically just. Mm-hmm. It, was just it, was, it was on a drift. It hadn't finished. It, they had mud cut the engines, but it was still drifting, and uh, but it drifted fast enough to pull pull us in. And uh, you know, I got a, um, I got this. The captain apologized. Like all the people that were involved, they all apologized. And Everybody um, always ends up like we had. What, dude, who are you, man? How come you're, why are you only a BM2? Aren't you a, at this point in time now? I'm believing you should be like seriously, Mick Pond, <laughs> world's youngest Mick Pond. I don't know, I don't know, but you know, I mean, there was a lot of uh, there was still a lot of stuff going on around that, but um, for the sake of the podcast, I won't get into it. But um, the people that I need to hear apologies from. Um, the skipper, um, he made that uh, a deal. You know, he wanted to make sure that. Of course, he, he did. That he I wanted knew. to get a new command yeah. someday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but man. you know Sorry. what? That, that's that was uh, it was Bill Parker at the time, and he was he was a great captain. So, and I um I didn't have a problem with him at all. I never had a problem. Uh, I'm gonna start speeding up just a tad bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I want to talk about sailor experience number four because it's pretty important to me. Can you talk about your warfare pin and what that meant to you? Oh man, let me tell you something. Me and uh, BM2 Hall, mm-hmm. we were very competitive. Like a lot of people thought that we hated each other. I never hated Hall. And it's just competitive. Like I'm a better bosun mate than you. And, and that made us go out and go get our pins and go go do this and do that and learn this and be that. And um, that East Wash thing was a big deal for me because I put a lot of time into studying and, and just trying to get it right and um, being able to uh, uh, earn it. And then I got Felton to pin me. I don't want nobody else to put that pin on but Felton because I wouldn't have gotten it. F- was this your first deployment then? Um, I think I, I started on it during the first deployment and, um, I don't, I think I got it after, I ended up getting it after or just before we came back. Maybe you got, you That's might have got you might have got pinned on the same, like, we may, the same day. We may have all got pinned on the same day. Cause I was the very yeah. last, I was well, the I very got- last guys to get pinned on the way back into the, into, into port or whatever, like on the way right. across the Atlantic back, heading back to Norfolk. I've got the picture with uh, because they they gave me my certificate in in the bosun locker, and I took a picture with uh, with Felton. I wanted to have Felton be the guy to shake oh, my hand. And, oh, you weren't on the mess decks. I did do the mess decks part. You did because we had because we had to do the board, but uh, they knew before the, everybody else did that I had got it, and we did a picture thing up in Boston one. Okay. Because um, I, I, I told Felton that I wanted him to be the one to, uh, you know, be a part of that. It seems a big deal um, uh, for why I had what I had. So, <clears throat> and then, you know, 
um, during that second deployment, our chief left, right? <laughs> and so our chief had to leave. And so basically BM1 became the chief part of the East loss for deck. Yeah, yeah. And I became I became the BM1 part of it. And I would do the do like the board, the the chief's board or whatever it was for not chief's board, but the that first the first, first level murder test. board. Yeah, the first murder bird. I would do the murder board for all the for the that with, with the first class we yeah, would yeah. do. Uh, um, that was cool uh, to have that uh, ability to do that because um, that really helped me out my eval. <laughs> <laughs> it hey, helps man. me out on my resume as well. I just yeah. throw that out there. <laughs> you gotta play the game, trainer. <laughs> so so I, I, on this podcast. You know, I like to talk about a lot of firsts and stuff, so mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't mean to skip over, like, a majority no, of no, no. your career, but can you just now talk to me about your decision to get out of the Navy, how you came about it, stuff like that? Um, I got honorably discharged um, in 2011, and um, I was really salty about about it because I didn't, I wasn't ready to go. I, I wanted to be 20-year sailor. Mm-hmm. But um, I was on shore duty, and I was the same weight that I was when I was on the ship, and I was still doing uh, my uh, my PRT and passing. Mm-hmm. But they uh, when Obama changed up the stuff, like you couldn't have the waivers if you're doing excellent and all that stuff. So my body fat percentage was killing me, mm-hmm. and so I ended up one percent on my third run and they didn't uh there's like okay you can't have take the test no more <clears throat> so and it made it really made me mad because i i had cut so much weight more weight um that when i failed the, the third time they, they gave me an extra shot to do it again and i cut even more weight yeah and it's like like you know how three people have to tape you one person tapes me under under the the weight whatever under the percentage and then two other people take me and I'm one percent over mm. and it yeah you know it goes so I was a little upset about it but then I was like you know what I've, I've done everything I could to I felt like I'd done what I needed to do to try to save myself to continue on either it the, my weight was going to get me or perform to serve because by that time I had taken the uh, first class exam I, I was eligible to take it early and I had taken it three times by that time. Yeah. And so, um, and I had a fourth one. I didn't go because it was the day that I got out the Navy, <laughs> but um, I should have took it anyway. But um, it sucked kind of getting out because I didn't get a fair shake with the Navy. They sat on my paperwork for almost six months. Yeah. And then they're like, hey, you've got 30 days left in the Navy. 30 days, and I didn't have I didn't have a TAPS class. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any of the things to prepare me for becoming a civilian. Gotcha. And that's what made that's what made me uh I don't know if you guys are following me at that time, but I was really salty about um even though they gave me the honorable discharge and they gave me my money to go home. Um, I was just really salty about how not being able to prepare. I had a, another kid on the way. My third kid was coming. And um, 
it just was like us. I knew that I was getting out. I just didn't know when. And they sat on it for so long. Gotcha. And then was like, hey, you're going home in 30 days. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> I got to put out job applications, do all this stuff. It, it, um, it really made me feel some kind of way. Uh, I felt... Um, did you have any, did you have any leave saved made, up or anything? I did. I sold my leave, all my leave back. That helped me. Um, it just, I had to sell it back. Um, I, they wouldn't let, they wouldn't let me take it to extend my time. As if I knew that I would have took it, if I would have been able to do that, I would have been, I would have stayed as long as I could to help prepare myself. Yeah. But there's like, yeah, because if I had like 60 days or something. Yeah, and I had a bunch. Um, I mean, most people do by the time they get out. I mean, I even a 30 day notice kind of different, but who goes to shore duty and then travels? This guy, I went to shore duty uh, and then we started traveling all up and down. I was like, I was like, I thought I got off the ship so that I could be at home, and here I am traveling all <laughs> over the place. This made no sense, and uh, taking cruises, but, you know. <laughs> You know, for for what it's worth, like now, years later, I'm not so salty. You know, yeah. um, I put myself in that position by not taking care of my weight. That's my fault. But the, the only thing that I can truly be mad about is how they process me out. Yeah. And um, but the 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 good thing about it was, um didn't let it defeat me right away I went right to school like I took my Montgomery GI Bill and went right into diesel school right as like within one month of getting out and um that kind of shaped my veteran journey <laughs> where <laughs> so were you living say. when you went to were you, but, you still um, living in were you still living in Norfolk I, I was still in I was still in uh Virginia I was still uh, I was living in Newport News at the time um, I pretty much stayed there until uh, about 2012, and I moved down to uh, Virginia Beach because I was work. I was doing the towing, the tow man stuff <laughs> in Virginia Beach. So. so you stayed. You stayed. Um, you got out in 2007, and you stayed no, in Newport I, News till 2012. Then you moved down to Virginia Beach. Well, I got off the ship in 2008. Yeah, okay. I was off the ship in 2008. And I was like shore duty until 2011. Okay, 2011. Okay. And then I was only in Newport News after I got out for a couple months, and then I moved down to uh, Virginia Beach. And then um, I was going to because it was closer to the school. I went to ATI, um, Advanced Technology Institute, right there in Virginia Beach, and um, was going to. Uh, I went to Diesel School, and then I turned around and went back to Welding School. But don't ask me to weld anything, because <laughs> that's an art. <laughs> so you you joined right. So you were like eighteen years old when you joined them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> straight out, uh, straight out the straight out the frying pan. Uh, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I got out. I was almost. Uh, I was almost twenty five years old. I was just. I was like two months shy of my twenty uh, fifth birthday. And I took all those tabs class, man. And I didn't, I didn't understand what the, what the hell was going on either. You know, 
I went I back. I, li- I lived with my parents. I, I didn't have, I mean, you, you had kids and I, like a, a girlfriend or a wife or something. I'm assuming, I don't know where you look raising children like on your own. Uh, well, no. So, um, I, I am a travel man. I have, I have four total children and all of them have different moms. And, um, at the time, um, when I got to shore duty, I had my second child and um, we were trying to work it out. It, it didn't work. And so I was kind of, I'm still su- trying to do my best to support them. And then um, I had met another girl towards the end of my Navy, Navy career. And then we had a baby together and uh, I was really working hard um, to keep that going. But it was really stressful because like the, the baby came right as I'm getting pushed out. So it's like, how do I, how do oh, I take, how, take all my kids? How do I keep these things going? How to keep all these people happy? Cause you know, um, just, it's just real life, you know? So you did seven you, years. So this time you're like 25 years old. Uh, yeah, I'm like 25, 26, I think at the time. And, um, oh shit, man, you got three kids. And yeah, I was stress yeah, is going I, through the fucking roof. Stress unbelievable. And and then I was I fought with the depression and stuff like that because you know I had stuff I worked for. I, I had I was living by myself at one time. I had a big old truck, had motorcycles, you know. I was being a 20-year-old, 20 something yeah. guy, you know, yeah. and and then um watching me not being able to afford to keep all those things that I worked hard to get um it put me in such a bad funk and then and then also trying to you know support a family and try to figure out how I can still do that you know and I'm only getting paid whatever comes from the school money while I'm at school right and I took I took a, a mechanic helper gig um and he was only paying me like ten dollars an hour and I'd work like four hours. <laughs> like 40, 40 bucks, you know? And um uh it was really a difficult time and I was I think I was a different person. Like I wasn't like the exciting wheel. I wasn't I was still doing my DJ stuff. Like I took my money that the Navy gave me and I invested it in my DJ business. And that's how I was living. So I was doing my DJ business, my school, and I'm trying to, you know, make sure I make these payments for child support and make the payments for the girl I'm living with and and just trying to get everything, you know, I'm trying to hold myself together. But I felt like the weight of the world was like on my shoulders. And, and I also, like I said, I was really salty at the time. So I felt betrayed by something that I love so much. Like, I don't know a lot of, I don't think a lot of people understood why I loved the Navy so much. Like, and then being a bosun mate, like I wasn't just any old bosun mate. Like I would go in the book and read the, tra- like how to do the traditional line work. Like I made my sheaths out of the old boot, leather boots. And I, remember, stuff. I remember you guys, I remember you, like, you doing that stuff. And yeah. me, um, you're the whistle guy. Can you explain? And I'm not, 
you're in the pipe. Sorry. Sorry. Oh shit! Yeah, get it right. Get it right. <laughs> and I know you're super into that as well, and you're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like all that stuff, like I'm I'm those people that like the history of things, uh, and then like the tradition. And I love that's another one of those things why I love being a Bosome so much because it was it was real real sailor stuff. You know what I mean? A lot of people are like, I'm I'm a a sailor, but you know, I I looked at a radar screen. Yeah, no, I'm the sailor. I'm tugging on lines, dropping anchor chains, cussing at folks, you know. But like I will agree with that. Yeah. I'm not even gonna I mean like yeah, I mean I did I did my time underway and stuff, but I mean like my fingernails are clean for the most part. That's not to take anything away from because everybody had their 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 day on deck at some point. You know what I mean? All right, you have to be so positive all the time, man. You you, you, you feel free to smash some rates every now and again, dude. We're all friends here. We get it. Hey, look, I'm just saying. (laughs) You know, it's just a point where, like, I love the Navy so much. And at that time, when they just kind of pushed me out with no no preparation and all this last-minute stuff, that I... uh, I just felt like I was betrayed and um, it put me in a really bad place. And um, it's really hard for me to get out of it. But I stayed in, in it for a while where I was just like, I, like um, I started doing the towing job. Um, that was a 12 hour shift. And some days I'd work, um, you guys still there? Oh, there you go. I was working um, 12, 15, 16 hours, but I'm doing like seven, 10, 15 days straight in that tow truck, yeah. you know, just working, trying to make money uh, and, and make sure everybody's getting their money and, and everybody's taken care of. And um, and it also on top of DJ and nightclubs and DJ and parties, I'm, I'm extended. I'm stressed. I want to, I want to be able to get myself back to where I was because I felt like I didn't have anything and I was losing stuff. Like no matter how hard I worked, yeah. I was just losing stuff, you know? And um, yeah. so- it was a hard time. That I think for any veteran that has, that goes through like that initial separation, like, and it's, it's not even like, oh yeah, I'm happy I'm getting out. You know what I mean? It's more like, dang, they're making me leave. <laughs> Those veterans those veterans where they're kind of getting forced out of something that they love yeah. and that, that they believe was going to be their whole career. And now they're trying to figure their life out. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was like, it's hard because you, you're like, this is all I wanted to do yeah. and I can't do it no more. And um, they made it to where like, I had to wait six months to reenlist into the army, but I could never reenlist back into the Navy. Yeah. I couldn't go to the Marines. I could, definitely wasn't going to the Air Force. And I, hell if I would be a damn coast, coastie. So yeah, I don't care. I have a lot of pride. I just can't do it. <laughs> but um, but one of the things kid. that was important. I know, right? <laughs> hell, I went to a school and they had a Coast Guard guy there. He was a BM1 in the Coast Guard and he was a captain of a oh, yeah. cutter. <laughs> and I was just like, man, F you, dude. You don't know nothing. <laughs> He's it's, a captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a weird system they have over there. 
yeah i'm like what are y'all doing over there the xo's a third class <laughs> how do you pull yourself the whole time um I, I I still do it to this day where like I just dive myself into whatever I'm doing and like like a lot of you guys uh followed me with my towing and like I was on it like I wanted every car that I could take if it was ready to go I'm taking it if I could pull you out the hole I'm pulling you out the hole and um and that's where all those 15 16 hours in the truck because the more car I make a, a salary and commission. So if I wanted to make decent money so everybody's taken care of, I'm in that truck. And um I stayed on it, man. Um I was just in school. I go from school, I'd be in school all day, go to my <laughs> go to my job in the morning, get two, three hours of sleep and then be in the tow truck. You know, just hustling, trying to get it done and then doing my DJ stuff. Um, I am. I think it was unhealthy for me to do that because I didn't address. I didn't address my depression, and because I even went through. Okay, so then I had nothing to do. I just be like, uh, "Am I trying to call me?" I just be like, uh, "It just the fog would come, and like you couldn't talk to me. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know how to express my feelings. I'm just pulling it all inside, and." I, I knew that I had people that I could go to and talk to. And there's always those people, but you have to want to talk to them. And, and they can sit there and say, you talk to me, talk to me. If you don't make that first step and trying to, to release some of the, whatever it is, um, it's just going to keep weighing on you. And um, it's just something that I, I learned. And, um, you know, during that time, me and, um, that my current girlfriend at that, that time we had split apart and um, and then my wife came and um, she had gone through some similar uh, similar things and um, um, we just kind of meshed and she helped me um, she made my space comfortable and to where I could release some of the stress and the dep- and like that's the deep depression like I didn't want to go to a doctor to have them feed me pills you know what I mean I don't want to do any of that I knew what I was dealing with but I had to make the conscious step Mm -hmm. and it's you get to a point where like like I had made it to a point where like I wanted to I just didn't want to be here I just wanted to go like how am I how am I taking care of kids how am I gonna give them what they need um, I'm barely making it on what I'm doing. I got this going on and this is going to get repossessed. And they're going to take this away from me. It's so much because, I mean, look, when you joined the Navy at 18, you pretty, I always thought that we all stayed kids until we got out. <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't have, you've got a, you get a free three meals a day, kind of free. You got a place to lay your head all the time. No matter what, you've got somewhere. Something is there to catch you. Yeah, and now right. when you're out, Absolutely. you don't have that, you don't have that net. And and so and now you're forced to do adult things. I mean, like I hate adulting. You have to do adult things. Yeah. And it's it's scary, man. At 25, 26, and in the position that I had put myself in with having three kids 
and and trying to figure life out, man. Um, it's just a lot for a person to handle. And like I said, um, I don't think I ever handled it in a healthy way. And I really should have tried to really hard to make that step really early before I reached that point where I was sitting there at the table like, I don't want to see tomorrow. I don't want to, I don't want to go that far. But something in the back of my head kept telling me, you got kids that want to see you tomorrow. You got your mom, your dad that want to see you tomorrow. You got people that will help you reach out to them and put your pride away, put your whatever it is that's stopping you and just let it out. And my wife coming through, she kind of helped me channel that energy, that, that negative energy that I was just carrying with me and was like, let it out. Just talk to me. That's like when it's too much. So good to hear. Cause I mean that's I think that's important. Um, like I said, it's important. Um, if you're in that for any veteran, any anybody really, it doesn't have to be a veteran. Yeah. Like just find that zone. Like keep fighting. Like don't give up. That I think that part of my mentality, like from earlier, like yeah. most people, you know, you came in there and you're like, I'm gonna keep do what I gotta do at the end of the day. My mentality is like, I could give up, but why? I still, I can still do this. I can still get out. There's still some type of fight in me. So let's, let's keep trying. And so, oh yeah. Tell you, I, I told 2000, I counted, I counted all my toes, 2,475 cars in nine months. <laughs> I made my, I made my company about $1.4 million. Holy shit. Put that on here. <laughs> I, I don't think I can. I don't, I don't even, I don't even think I got 2% of that. I'm, if, if I, I added up my toes and the average cost. And um, I used to see keep a record of my toes and everything that I did. I added it up and I had the lady tell me the exact number, what my name was attached to. That's the number she gave me. And then I, I tell you what, estimated it's a it's i i couldn't believe how much money i said i'm in the wrong end of this business i need to be the boss that's a bullet <laughs> point in your email oh <laughs> uh, shoot i still have i saw my resume on my resume how <laughs> so talk talk to us talk to us about how you got into wrestling and how you how you got this gig going on um so um my wife had her deal with getting out of the army and um, we ended up, uh, she ended up getting the job. I had trouble. Once I moved from Virginia to Alabama, I couldn't get no job being a Navy sailor. Like, I couldn't get nothing. Like, nothing that fit me would fit. And then uh, I ended up, uh, we ended up moving from there. She got a job here at, at the Naval base. I'm like, how do you, an Army person, get the Navy job, this is bull crap, and I can't get on the base. Why is that? <laughs> it's a little animosity. But um, I just started plugging away, and um, there's a show um, that came to the college here in Meridian, and um, I started inquiring about like 
is there a school around? Like, I was just thinking about it. I was like, you know, I'm old. <laughs> At the time, I was like 30. I was like, I'm 30, 31. I don't know if I'm going to be able to wrestle and all that stuff. But I started plugging away, um, talking to some people. And um, I went to the show. I met one of the guys that was main event in the show, uh, Monty Warbucks. He goes by Monty Warbucks. Um, he introduced me to uh, Robert Andrews, who's my official trainer. Um, and I just started going to their shows. And he's like, look, we do training on this day. Um, we don't do uh, a weekly thing. Um, this is just available day when I'm here to be able to do this. If you're fine with coming once a week, I was like, on what day? Sunday? I got two jobs. Sunday's my only off day. So I go to my wife and I said, do you have a problem with me training to be a wrestler? And it's something that I want to do. I feel like I got to do it. Like in my bones, in my body, I said, all my life I've watched wrestling and I just, something tells me I need to do it. And this will be good for me because um, that same year I went to the emergency room and um, I had, I guess I had, uh, my blood pressure was like, so it was out the roof. And the lady, so she was like, I'm surprised you're not having a heart attack right now. She was reading my numbers. And um, I needed to do some type of activity because I was like getting big. <laughs> I wasn't doing much. And um, that was another thing that was on my mind. I said, well, I'm just trained. And I just started training um, and training and training, <laughs> driving three hours. I, th I drove three hours every Sunday to train for four or five hours. And um, I started with two other gentlemen that were like 19, 20. Um, neither of them are wrestling. Nothing against those guys. I mean, whatever happens, but the old guy is still here, throwing that out there. Um, I just wanted to do it. I felt like I felt it in my bones uh, and my wife supported it. And um, she didn't really know much about wrestling. So I started making her watch wrestling with me and she started to enjoy it. Then I took her to, uh, well, she took me to uh, a WWE show. And then she was like, wow, this is awesome. And after, even after being to the small shows, she's like, okay, I'm sold. So I was like, yeah. So at the end of the day, um, stepping out to train and, and just live the dream, because I mean, it's always been a dream. It's just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's unexplainable. It's just like when you get your uh, Navy ball cap, after your recruit ball cap, yeah. you just, it's just a feeling in your bones and you know that it's not wrong. So you just do it. And um, I, I had trained for about, I'm still training. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't stop, but um, I started actively wrestling um, as RJW two years ago. Right. And um, that has been my, uh, that's been it. <laughs> I've been on a roll. Yo, feel free to step in whenever you want. But what's the uh, what's the RJW in reference to? Um, basically, RJW is actually my initial. Yeah. Ronald Julius Williamson. Okay. Um, I, I was looking at all kinds of different names to use, 
And I was just like, you know what? Um, this is my dream, and I want my name on my dream. I know I could be anything. I could be a dark, mysterious character or a guy that, like, I mean, I got, I got masks for days. Uh, I just, I could do anything. And, but um, I did one match just as uh, Big Will. Um, they wanted to see me work. And um, they originally wanted to put me under a mask and wrestle for like a year with this guy. And, um, but after seeing me wrestle without the mask, and it's like, I think he's good enough. So let him do his own thing. So I was able to go back and I was like, what do I love? Yeah. Westerns. <laughs> I love Westerns. Uh, you name it. I loved watching it. Why not be a black cowboy? And there's a ton of guys on the circuit that do like jokers, evil, dark characters. But there's not many black wrestlers. Not to make it a race thing, but I mean, it's just how you stand out. There's not many black wrestlers doing the cowboy gimmick the way that I do it. Some of them just wear a cowboy hat. I am the cowboy. I am the judge. When I come through, I'm beating you up and I'm subliminally talking about hanging you. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> um. So, um, you were watching as a kid. What wrestlers were you digging on when you were a kid then? Um, man, there's so many people that I enjoyed watching. But, um, like, when I was really young, um, my stepdad took me to the Coliseum to see WWF. And they used to do, um, it used to start at, like, 6 and go till like, the next morning. And they would tape like three or four different shows. Yeah. And I think during that time period, the early 90s, I was big Razor Ramon, um, Bret Hart. You couldn't tell me that Bret Hart was my dude. Forget Hulk Hogan. I was all about the um, <laughs> excellence of execution. The executioner, I was about, um, I used to like Sid Vicious, the Four Horsemen. I, I used to... Uh, on Saturdays, I'd watch both WCW uh, Saturday night, and I'd watch the early morning uh, WWF show. They had a Thursday show um, that I used to watch. Um, I used to watch whatever came on Sunday. ESPN used to show indie shows, yeah. and um, um, that's when I first saw Cactus Jack. And Cactus Jack is one of the first wrestlers that I'm, I feel like I'm influ my characters influenced by. Bang bang. <laughs> that's Fantastic. That's, that's, Cactus Jack is like, like his craziness, that whole character thing. Oh, yeah. And I saw him I saw him first. At, I, I keep wanting to call it Mountain West. It was like Global Force Wrestling on ESPN. He used to come on at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And he scared me, but he was cool. <laughs> and I just enjoyed, I just enjoyed him. Um, uh, as I got older... I became a, like a big Eddie Guerrero fan. Um, like when I do seminars, I go to seminars. Everybody's like, ah, Stone Cold and The Rock and Shawn Michaels. And I'm over here like, I like Dean Malenko, the man Ooh. of a thousand holes. They're like, they're like, Dean Malenko? I'm like, you can't deny it. 
Jericho Chris had a Jericho, thousand and one. I, yeah, he had that whole list: elbow, arm ringer, arm ringer double. One, yeah. one of the best <laughs> promos. <laughs> um, I don't know if you know this about me. But in May of 1999, I was at Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri, when Owen Hart fell to his death. Oh, no. I was at that show. Wow. Let me tell you what, dude. Wild. Wild. And you can just tell, like, the whole, like, I mean, afterwards, everyone, nobody wants to be on the show anymore. Right. You know, it was, a, it was just to be a, a triple threat match. I believe it was a Blue Blazer, uh, Jeff Jarrett, mm-hmm. and... Uh, the Supreme Fighting Machine, Kama Mustafa, who was going at that time by the Godfather. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. Man. Yeah, I was pretty jazzed that, that match was going to happen. And that happened. It was like, oh, fuck. You know? So, yeah. But, I, but, I'm, but I've, been a, I've been a wrestling fan for a long time, dude. I love that shit. I, Man. I up until recently, I, I had to quit watching WWE. It's not doing it <laughs> it's, for me anymore. It's hard to watch. And now that I'm a. Uh, uh, other wrestlers would get on me for saying, but now that I'm wrestling, I'm I don't consider myself a wrestler because I mean I'm still paying my dues. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm still okay. finding my way. But um, there I go. So, um, but once I started training and stuff, I started looking at wrestling differently. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to get caught up in in like the dirt sheets and yeah. uh. <laughs> I used to I, I watched wrestling as a fan but I watched it like a, a subject matter expert like I knew the holes and the, oh. and, and the, the stories and stuff but now when I watch it I'm just studying something totally different like you wouldn't even like when you're watching the guy do giving a headlock I'm looking at something totally different I'm like looking at his feet like where's his feet at okay where's his hands at does he have his clap like this is he clap like this? Doing this? Like, what is he doing with his hands? Like, training to be a wrestler, pro wrestler, changed the way I look at wrestling. So sometimes it's hard for me to sit back and watch it as a fan, but I understand how WWE is supposed to be, and um, I understand why. Like, like me and you, I can go watch it. I can't watch it. It's not even because it's bad. It's just it just doesn't appeal to me um, like it used to. Like, I watch for certain matches, but, no, it's hard. Even, like, the other, the AEW, I was watching them because a lot of those guys I've already rubbed elbows with mm-hmm. on the circuit, either in a shared locker room or seminar or whatever. And so I want to see, I want to see them work on TV, so I'm excited. I know that guy. We've talked a few times. Get me on the show. Can I get some TV time? You know what I mean? So for, for me, um, I can understand why you don't like it. And I'm, I'm in the same boat. It's hard. And it's even harder now that I, I started wrestling because I can't watch it the same. And, and it's like that with all of us. Like we, none of us can watch it the same. It's hard to separate the profession and you know, just be a, a fan. I was a real big fan of Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground, absolutely the best. Was like it really? The, I just want to make sure that I'm not the only person, like, because I know I watched it a lot, and there was times when the matches would get a little bit too much for me, too, a little bit too mm-hmm. violent, 
I'm like, you know what, man? I don't need to watch a snuff film. You know, so I'm turn it off for a second, and then I always go back. Like, I don't want to watch a guy beat up a girl. Or right. Girl. I, I, like, I call me call me sexist or whatever, but I believe my wrestling should be penises only, and that's it. No, don't bring any ladies in there. Ladies can fight ladies, but that I don't want to see women and versus men. I don't want. To, I'm not into that. I'm also not into watching a guy put barbecue skewers in another man's head with a frying pan <laughs> so i have to draw the line from time to time but uh man i'm glad to hear other people like that i thought that i thought that was a pretty solid show for you know what it was i mean i don't know i, I thought it was pretty good wrestling pretty good uh, uh characters the whole set the way it was all there's a lot of the story even though you know the story wasn't re- like other wrestling makes the story kind of be relatable. Here, it's like you're watching a, a real soap opera but yeah. with wrestling. And like like the one guy, he di- like the owner dies. And then you're <laughs> like, how does he die? And he, if you see him somewhere, you're like, you thought he died. He didn't die. But it's just a, it's just a TV show. But the, the, the way that they laid it out, I mean, it was amazing. And the, the cool thing about it, on the wrestler aspect side, it was only within like four to six months. And then they were done. And they can they, and they could run somewhere else or hey, take will. a break. Hey, will. Their, can you hear their me? longevity is amazing. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, you're starting to break up. I can hear you. It's not, you're starting to break up pretty bad. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that show was a, it's, it's a really cool show. And it, it, I always thought that it was cool for the wrestlers because they're not working 300 some days out of the oh. year for the fans. You know, they're, they're able to go to other places and do other things and make other money. And um, just something that was really appealing to me. I wish that it was still around because it, it'd be one of the places that I tried. I would love. I would have loved to wrestle. I think my character would have fit in pretty good can, at uh, Lucha Underground. Can you talk about your character? Like, what's he about? Do you have like this? Like, I'm I'm not as big in the wrestling world, but do you have this move like moves that are for that you do stuff mm-hmm. like that? Um. Well, Mike, my, my character right now. Uh huh. Oh, so Mike, my, my character's kind of. Uh, I would say it's evolving a little bit. Like when I first started, I was like angry cowboy, paying everybody. <laughs> and um, right now, because everywhere I'm, I've been working, they make me a good guy, so mm-hmm. I have to be like. I'm, a, I'm supposed to be not so angry. I'm like half angry. Black guy, cowboy, still <laughs> wants to hang everybody, but only the people that cheat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Gotcha. But my character is all about, um, my my character right now, I'm, it's really all about having fun. Like, I have fun. I will joke with you. I will joke at you. <laughs> Jokes on you. But when the bell rings, I get to wrestling, and um, you start fighting for survival. Uh, that's kind of the way that I want my character. I swear I've been trying to gear my character to do as a as a as a good guy or a face in the business. 
uh, I think I got the heel side of it down. I can just be mean and hang everybody. <laughs> <laughs> only in Mississippi can a black guy, only in Mississippi can a black guy <laughs> be a black cowboy talking about hanging his opponents and not get blasted all over the internet for cancel culture. So Are you I think I'm nuisance? doing all right. I've, I've, I've stayed in my bounds. Um, you know, I I haven't tried it yet. I probably won't because um, it's probably a good idea. There's a match that I did, and <laughs> I, that's pushing it too much. Because <laughs> because Mississippi is like the Bible Belt, and you know, there's some people that um, you know, there's there are people here that are trying to get past all that stuff. So, um, like for instance, I worked the town. And I was the only, I think I was like the only black guy in the town Yeah. and um, at the show. So, um, so what happened was I'm supposed to, I, I lose the match and um, the guy's supposed to put his uh, Confederate flag on me. Oh, and shit. this is supposed to start like this whole heated rivalry. But as soon as he, as soon as he pulled it out and m- mind you, I agree to this. So it because we're we are entertainers, right? It's like being an actor, like you act your part, and so I'm playing a part, he's playing a part. It's not like real. We're just trying to do something that's relatable to whatever's going on at the moment. And um, as soon as he pulled that Confederate flag out, like all the people were like, "No, don't do that!" Now he's the He's a good guy now. Yeah. And they're like, no, don't do that. No. And I was like, I look up at him and I go, Audible, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't get chased out of the town, you know? And um, um, it's just one of those things. Um, the town's like, don't. Like a character do it. <laughs> like mine, where I've been kind of trying to be edgy and push those boundaries. Yeah. I kind of, okay, I can't carry a noose. So you know what I carry now? I carry a cowbell. That's what I carry. Uh, I, ca- I still carry a rope, but I don't carry a noose. And um, uh, that's that's it, man. Like that's the character. And and right now I got a tag team, and basically we're just two young black guys that are destined to be the greatest tag team in in, in Mississippi in the world. And um, we're all about having fun, but when it's like I said, when the bell rings, everybody's getting their ass kicked, and that's what it's about. So, do you have a do you have like go to moves or a finisher move or anything like that? I do. Uh, Arn Anderson's um, Spinebuster. That's one of my uh, moves that I do. Um, I do a lot of big power slams, and uh, I do uh, corner splashes. Um, if you have videos, I'm always smacking somebody, and that's kind of been my thing. Is uh, all right, you guys got me now. Yeah, yeah. I guess that means okay. we, should start, we should wrap it up pretty soon. Before he's standing in the middle of the street <laughs> trying to get reception. <laughs> I live in the woods, man. It happens. <laughs> uh. What was I saying? I was telling you about my moves, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are you? What are you? So, what, are you what moves at? So, um, I'm I wrestle uh, kind of like an old school uh, style. 
I think it comes from like I can't I couldn't tell you. I do I take from Cactus Jack, I take from Demolinko. I can do I can do some fast athletic stuff, uh, but I, I mostly move like a a tortoise. Like kinda fast, kinda slow. I don't know. But some of my favorite moves to do, I like doing spine busters. Um I do uh power slams. Um Clotheslines, I will kill somebody with a clothesline. <laughs> um, if you see a lot of my videos that I'll be posting where I'm smacking people, it's definitely what I like to do. I've seen the uh, the, the ones where you smack them, give them a couple of chops, uh-huh. and then like, shh, and then give them another. Oh, yeah. That one seems to get a, a large pop out of the crowd. Um, I tell you what. Anytime I do that, I want I make sure I hit them real good. Get that, that pop on the chest. Woo! They don't like me for that, but that's you know. good. Man, you know it, it's awesome, man. That uh, you're doing this stuff. It's crazy. Uh, so, uh, also uh, more about your personal life here. I'm gonna real dig mm-hmm. deep into this since I've been following you on Facebook for like last year. You got me through mm-hmm. COVID, man. Uh, <laughs> I saw that you've uh, you, you deer hunt a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna assume those uh, Mississippi deer aren't that big, not like these big old bucks out here in Kansas. Uh there are some big bucks out here. Um, Mississippi. <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm not sure if it was last year, but I know the year before Mississippi uh, pinged at number one for the most populated state with deer. And um, since I live next to an airfield, uh, a naval air base. Um, Deer are everywhere, and uh, the USDA guy encourages all of us to uh, take them down during the season. And yeah, so I spent a lot of time in my deer deer stand during the season. Yeah, did you? Did you? You didn't get one this year, did you? I got me a I got me a six point uh, this you? year, and then that was it. Uh, then I started getting coyotes and, and foxes, yeah. and they were uh, I kind of messed it up for me but um, what, are able, what are you able to get like a buck and two does or what just what, a buck, that's all i got uh, what, what kind of tags are you able to buy like per season uh, we don't um you don't we don't do tags here no okay. tags um you can kill um i think it's like three you can kill one buck in a day and then like three up to three three does um I know because there's we're so overpopulated. Yeah. That allow you they they give you some room to kill more than more than whatever. Uh are you are you hosting since, since I got are you hosting I got are you hosting because I got a deer rifle like two years ago, but I haven't been able to go out. Come on out, man. I'm I, I just bought that. I don't know if you follow me, but uh I got a tracker yesterday. I saw that uh, <laughs> I bought this old 1960 Ford 600 tractor, and I'm trying to get uh get me a bush hog, and I'm setting up my I'm gonna start setting my plot up probably next month, uh getting it ready for deer season. Um, last year I I was cutting it close. Uh, this year I'm kind of I got a little lucky to be able to to get a head start on it, but um the deer was coming in by the end of the season I had an eight point coming in. And I, I, I always have uh, does bedding 
on my plot because there's water and and good food for them to eat right there. So how many they'll be there. You, how many acres are you on? I'm sitting on I'm sitting on ten acres. Damn. And, and then, but uh, everything out like the house and my shop that's four acres, and everything else is in the woods. Yeah. And then. I think maybe like an acre and a half is is mowed out for for deer hunting. I also got a deer stand in my woods that I'm scared to walk to. <laughs> I I don't like heights, man. So I don't know why I bought it, knowing that I didn't like heights. But uh, I, I mean, you guys, I always encourage anybody if they want to make the trip out here to Mississippi. Well, there's two things that'll happen: you're gonna eat good. And it's gonna be hot. <laughs> I might take you up on that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, see, yeah, I saw those pictures. Uh, you you taking your daughter out uh, on Facebook or whatever, teaching her the the ways mm-hmm. of the wild. Very good stuff, <laughs> yeah. man. Heck yeah, man! And I we can shoot all day. You know, when I first moved here, I'm a, I'm the only black guy in the in the little air in the little neighborhood, and I'm like, can I shoot my gun? Without nobody coming, there I was just shooting, <laughs> and I was waiting for the sheriff to roll up, and nobody rolled up, and I was like, "Hell yeah, man! I love this place." And then I told my neighbor about it, and he was like, "Man, we shoot all the time. You go here shooting every damn day of the week if you wanted to, especially around hunting season." And I was like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> so, yeah, man, I be out here. I still, um, I need to suppress my three hundred blackout. <laughs> so that uh it's loud but uh i can still get two or three shots off you know in case i miss i can still get some it's <laughs> just um, gonna be loud uh, and on the, on the on the side are you like a like a, a dent repair guy or something or what's this uh like other thing i always see do like deal around the shop like that that's that's not your like full-time job i know i'm assuming right because I thought you like said you like put like no, pilots so, in seats uh, or something. Right... <laughs> so what I do, I'm a I'm a Stucon uh, support assistant. Basically, I'm a clerk, and what I do is I make sure the instructors are um, grading the students properly on their flights, mm-hmm. and then the students are keeping up with all their their records. So that when it's time for them to move on to actual, the big boy jets, you know, they've got all their ducks in a row. Okay. And, um, so I don't know nothing about flying a plane, but I do know, <laughs> I do know how to explain stuff, overly explain it so that they, the, the, the officers can leave me alone and I, uh, <laughs> I make sure everybody's going off um, prepared for the next level of whatever they're going to do with their careers. Um, it's a it's a simple job. Um, depending on who it is, though, it can make it, make it stressful for no reason. But hey, I, I get to work with the Navy. And that was, a, I think that's a big deal for me, being able to work, be a part of the Navy family again, even though I'm not a, uh, on the sailor side of it, I still get to look. Uh, you know how bad it is? They have a bosun mate on base. They don't call him to do the ceremonies anymore. 
They call me. I've done every change of command, every retirement for the last two years. In uniform? No, because I can't fit in my uniform. <laughs> if, it's some, if it's summertime, I'll, I'll, I'll wear a light-colored, uh, nice business casual. And if it's uh, wintertime, I'll wear all black, baby. All black. <laughs> but uh, no, and um, I enjoy it. It's like a big. I think uh, it's like a big win to be able to still be a part of the Navy family. It's just something that was missing from uh, yeah when I got out. I'm glad you're. But um, to do that, yeah. All the stuff that I do in my shop is just. Like I got the car, the car that I'm working on. I help other people with their cars. I move stuff around for people if they need it moved around. I got the big old truck trailer, so um, I do my side hustles, make a little extra cash here and there, so I can buy a tractor or whatever it is that I need. And so, you know, a tractor is pretty I good looking, it. man. I saw people were giving you ideas on how like paint it and stuff, and. <laughs> It was me. If it was me, I enjoy just the natural patina exactly. of an old beat up tractor. We got them all over I, down here, man. Everywhere. I think I'm gonna. I, I think. I think what I'm gonna do is actually paint the uh, wherever it's red. I'm gonna repaint that, but I'm gonna leave like the regular parts in the whatever the patina is, and yeah. I'm gonna clear it just to keep it protected. But all all I got it for was to do my deer plot. I need something to get along and <laughs> clear it out. Cause I was out there, I was I was showing off myself push mowing a part of a, one section of it, and uh, and I I act like it ain't nothing. But let me tell you, I was like this, <laughs> man. I ain't doing this shit no more. Heck that. Oh, <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm up there with the weed whacker trying to weed whack all it. No, I'm not doing none of that. I'm, I'm, I got a tractor this year, and a tractor will pay for itself. Because then, um, once I get a brush hog, I can start um, doing side jobs, helping other people clear their deer plots with my tractor. Oh, so yeah. I'm always a, one of the things that I learned um, when I got out of the Navy was uh, a way to make money or keep money flowing. So if I can. Uh, find me a side job or something to do that's going to give me extra cash to get to something else I need to get to, then I'm on it. So uh, I'm always thinking forward thinking that way. That's what I was telling uh, Adam here before, oh. before you got on, on the deal. I was like, like this dude does a ton of shit. It seems like, <laughs> like he's hunting. He's like <laughs> working at a, a, some other job. I'm assuming he's, he's wrestling i'm like this guy i learned that he's only 24 hours in a day what is going on here yeah. this, this is something amazing's happening right and i like i don't I, was, I don't even know what his job is but he's doing something because he's making money apparently he bought a tractor um <laughs> I, let me tell you like i feel like there's never enough time in a day and sometimes i have to tell myself you know make time to sit down and relax yeah. or you know get yourself in and really like so like i was working two jobs until my wife passed away when she passed um it's me and, and me and my daughter so 
I couldn't work two jobs. I got I got this kid I've got to nourish and help grow now and I, I got to do it on my own. And so I had quit the second job, um, but they all, they all like that stuff that happens to you in your life, you know, and the fog kicking and the unhealthy thing that I have always done was dive myself into work. I'm doing all these projects and I'm running and doing this. And it's taking my mind away from the things that are weighing on me. And then I have to get, I come back to this point where I like, I've got to get it out or else I'm just going to keep digging. I'm going to work myself to death. And like lately, like I've been slowing down, trying to do side job, car jobs and just work on my stuff. And I only help so many, certain people out now. Cause like, as soon as I did the that I did, I had like a line of people come look at my car, come do my brakes, come do it. And I was like, I wasn't getting nothing done. And like, I don't, I'm not spending enough time with my kid to get her, you know, she's got things on, maybe she wants to do soccer or something. You know, I got to be able to clear my palate and, and, and take care of who's important is me and her. And so with that, um, like you see me do stuff, but now it's like, if I'm if I'm doing it, it's um, I've been I started a YouTube where I started posting up all the things that I'm doing, and usually those things take me like two or three four days or a couple of weeks to film. Yeah. So that so because I just I'll take like this week I'm like I'm not going in the garage. I'm gonna do the podcast. Then somebody else said. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know, uh, you guys remember John Connor, OS, OS2, yeah. OS1? He's starting a clubhouse thing um, about wrestling, and he wanted me to help him with it. So I've been sitting down and helping him focus on making a structured show for that. I I went to school for uh, digital media production also when I got out. Like, I still had my bit, GI Bill left over. So I'm like, keep going to school. What else can I do? <laughs> and um, so, like, um, all my video wrestling videos are edited by me. All my all my advertisements, anything you see me do, is created by me. And that was the, one of the other mindsets I had when I got out of the navy. Was like, here I'm starting a DJ business that's going to help me eat. I need to be able to do all of my own stuff and not rely on people to make a logo, make a flyer. I got to be able to do all of that. And then I started shooting videos. I did music videos. Guys didn't even know that. I got a couple music videos floating out there uh -huh. um, that, I, that I recorded and did storyboards for. Like, I, what is it? I'm a man of many trades. I'm not quite the expert in any uh -huh. particular area, but um, if there's something you need, I'm able to do it. But well, boy. One, of the, one of the best things for me one one of one of the things best things for me is to just like slow it down now because I'm getting old, man. I'm 36. I'm rest. I'm I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling takes up a lot of my energy, and like like this weekend, I'm going to uh, Mobile, Alabama. That's three hours. That's six hours round trip uh, to beat somebody up. Yeah, um, you're beating up. Uh, I wrestled. You beat John up Taylor. Charlie Ace. Who? 
I'm I'm wrestling uh, John Taylor. Um, That's this right, this skinny little punk. Uh, he's a little bit bigger than that picture. Um, he bulked up a little bit, but he's right. still he's still not as big as me. I mean, every every show I go to, I'm like the tallest, biggest guy on the show. So it's not. <laughs> There's not too much, uh, too many guys my size that I wrestled. But, smack um, this dude's chest and turn his whole body red. Like he's, he's pasty. It's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen, and I, I will have the fi- I will have the video posted that night. But uh, that's just like last month. I worked all four weekends doing wrestling. Um, this month I'm working maybe two weekends. August. I actually I didn't I haven't said anything about it. So um but I have a TV, a dark match for a TV. It's like a tryout to see um if they want me to be upon their show and be on they say it's national TV. So I'm I'm excited about it. I'm nervous. Um but that's a big step because one of my goals awesome. is to get onto TV. If I even if I just wrestled one time yeah. or just appeared on TV just to say that I did it means the world to me. I've already met my my wrestling heroes just from showing up to a show and doing what I do. And um you know so um there's a few places I still want to travel and but unlike the unlike the younger guys I'm just happy to be able to perform and entertain and um, and live my dream. If I'm giving an example to all my kids that, you know, if you believe in it and you want to do it, give you 100% and do it. Because if, if that's what you want, you're going to get, you got to go and get it. And I wasn't going to be a wrestler sitting on the couch still thinking about it. I had to, I had to take my feet, pick my feet up and you know, and just get out there and, you know, make sure the wife is okay with me being gone on my off, my only off day. But, you know, and, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Does your daughter boo you or cheer you? Um, I used to get her to boo me when I'm so that, you know, when I'm hitting people, she's not going, yeah, and everybody... So like they wouldn't pick her out in the crowd. But <laughs> a lot of places I'm like the only black guy. So she's the only black kid in the in the crowd. And and like like one show, um, she was like, No, Daddy, you you gotta do this and this and this. And and um they're like, Oh, so you're just gonna ignore your kid? And I'm like, I'm a bad guy, so I'm like, that ain't my kid. I don't know whose kid that is. Like, you are my daddy. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I just tell her, uh, cheer or boo whoever you want to. Just stay in your seat. I did a show where the guys came out and they was beating me up, and she tried to save me. And I was like, get out of here. She's like, Daddy, are you okay? I'm like, get out of here. Like, get off of me. What are you doing? You're messing up the show. So stick your butt in the seat. But uh, that's my biggest biggest cheerleader at, at all the shows. I'll peek over while I'm punching somebody in the face and she's standing on top of the chair. Hit him again! Kick his ass! What'd you say? <laughs> well, me, me and Joe will be number two and number three cheerleaders from... Heck yeah, man. <laughs> well, boys, we got to start wrapping things up. Well, I got mm-hmm. just a couple 
last questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, if you, I like to ask these questions just to kind of see where you were at in your headspace. If you could recommend three songs to listen to, it doesn't matter the context, just recommend three songs, what would they be? Um, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm an impulsive, I've become an impulsive music listener. And um, I don't know, I'm very, I'm big on like, a, the last few years I've been diving deep into some uh, heavy metal and stuff like that. And um, I feel like anything from uh, Fire From The Gods um, has the ability to, if you're in a funk, like fi anything from Fire of the God will pick you up. Um, same with uh, Light the Torch or everything that's Howard Jones from Kill Switch Engage. That's gonna uh, um, pick you up as well. Um, Who is this guy? <laughs> I'm telling you right now, um, I love, uh, I'll give you one song. Light the Torch, um, Safety of Disbelief yeah. is, is one of their songs. And um, it's one that I, I will play two or three times before I go to the next song. It's just, um, it just hits me a certain kind of way. Um, with Fire from the Gods, um, uh, there's so many different songs. Um, I like American Sun. American Sun makes me think about uh, all kinds of different things, but it, it makes me feel good. Um, and uh, my favorite band is Slipknot. And I could give you a million and <laughs> one songs from them, um, but uh, if I could give you a song that I, I, re I like from their newest, their last album, um, it's uh, Nero Forte. I know it's the it's the commercial one that they had, but in that song, um, there's there's different elements to it. And you, if you you listen really listen to it, there's the way they do the play on the words, how he does words with the band and stuff. Corey Taylor is a genius, and I love it. So three songs, right? Anything from <laughs> anything from Fire for the Gods. Um, light the torch, safety and disbelief with Howard Jones or anything Howard Jones because Howard Jones is the best singer for metal or anywhere ever. And <laughs> Slipknot, Nero Forte, listen to that yeah. and enjoy Corey Taylor for who Corey Taylor is. What I do is uh, I take all my interviews, I, I take all the song suggestions and I compile them into a Spotify playlist and it's like the official okay. G.I. Joe podcast playlist. Um, are you a book or a movie guy? Uh, I am a movie guy. Three three movies that you recommend watching, everybody should watch. Tombstone. You know it's going with some Western. <laughs> watch Tombstone. Top three. Um, Top three for me. Yep. Watch Hateful Eight. Yep. Fucking good. Everybody's everybody's gonna say Django. Um Hateful <laughs> Eight was supposed to be was written originally as sequel to Django. Um so you'll see a lot of the similar characters, mm -hmm. but Hateful Eight became a totally different movie and um it's awesome. 
Plus Samuel L. Jackson is just funny as hell. And then, um, man, I'm not going to lie, but um, 300. I've watched that movie more than any movie. I mean, I've watched Tombstone maybe a million times. Uh, the Good, the Bad, the Ugly. A lot of my Western, the hell of a lot. Which cast is Sundance Kid? Yes. All of that. <laughs> okay, but, okay. But, hey, but 300. 300, something about 300 just gets you like so pumped. Like you get excited. You get drawn in for a little bit when he's like being vulnerable, but then the rest of the time is we'll fight in the shade. You know what I'm talking about? It's awesome. And so I don't care about the sequels. I care about that first one. I like the way it was shot. Man, that, that movie right there, it's come on. I'm watching. I don't care where it is. I'm watching it. Popcorn and all. Hey, well, I fucking, I super appreciate you jumping on the podcast and this fuck. It can't. It turned out better than I thought. You're way better, man. This is awesome. <laughs> you're an awesome human being. Like you're, you're fucking. Thank hard. you, thank you. You're fucking. Um, plug your stuff. Do you got any stuff to plug? Uh, plug it right now. Uh, I, I want to learn uh, your YouTube videos. Everything I want. Everything. Uh, okay, so on YouTube, search Super DJ Big Will. That is my me, my regular self. Uh, YouTube page. I also have RJW. Uh, just search and you'll see my black face smacking somebody in the picture or something. That's also on YouTube, so you can watch my matches. Okay, so just to, be, just to clarify, you are a black guy. We haven't established that. I always, I always, I always say that because I, I don't know why. It's just a, because I, you know what I do when I talk to promoters. Um, I don't have to talk to them on the phone or face to face. I'm always talking through a messenger or whatever. And okay. sometimes, so they don't see my face. I'm so used to saying uh, he's just uh, he embodies everything about being a black cowboy. Da 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 da. So it's weird. Um, plus, I have to explain it because other people will explain it that way too. He's a big black guy that wears this cool ass cowboy hat and hits people with a cowbell, and that's it. Just travel. <laughs> So, um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, DJ Big Will 757, DJ Big Will, Will, W-I-L-L, not wheel, as in rolling wheel, but (laughs) people get it wrong. DJ Big Will 757 for my regular Instagram, and then um, hook'em underscore RJW for my wrestling Instagram. Hook'em underscore RJW. And H O O K E M. Yep, Hook'em. I'll, I'll throw all the links like, that I released the podcast too. So. Oh, cool, mm-hmm. cool, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. And I just want to add this because uh, none of you, I don't know if any of you watch anime, but you should add an anime question. And if I could recommend you to watch anything anime, I would recommend you watch Akira. 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 It's from like 1986. Yeah, yeah. I know it's old, but it yeah. has the best art and it's one of the it's one of my favorites watch it that and attack on time because who doesn't love it where can i where can i watch this Akita? uh matter, matter of fact right now it's on hulu it's on hulu it's, it's on a bunch of shit 
All right. All right. It's on Hulu. All right. Last, the last thing, was that all, is that all your social media stuff? Yeah, pretty much. All I right. got a TikTok. It's, it's the same as, uh, it's hook them on, it's hook them underscore RJ Debbie or DJ Big Bill. Right, You'll um, find me on, 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 on let's, uh, links. let's make sure we plug the wrestling Alliance as well. Um, Mississippi Wrestling Alliance. I wrestle well. I wrestle under um, several different companies, okay. but my home my home company is Battle Zone Championship Wrestling, right out of Raleigh, Mississippi. Um, and um, currently, I'm wrestling for I'm I'm a regular wrestler on Battle Zone, um, Alabama Wrestling Alliance. Uh, who else am I wrestling for? Diamond Championship Wrestling in the Gulf Coast are, are my, my three main. Um, and I've got a couple of new places I'm going to show up, but I can't tell you guys about those places yet. Uh, this comes out in August. This will, come out, this will probably come out on August 1st. So is there a chance? Yeah, you're, you're going to see some uh, some new places coming up here soon. Um, We're trying to break the news here, man. Hey, look, look. I'm working on, um, there's a guy that I've been trying to fight that's in Memphis. Um, I haven't been to Memphis in a while. And um, Speaking uh, of fighting, home. I'm sorry, but you, you brought this up now. And this is something <laughs> that's been weighing on me for months. <laughs> you said at one point in time that if uh, New Jack, well, uh. you, if you wrestle New Jack, Bro, there is no way you're wrestling New Jack. Zero chance. New Jack is tearing your ass up apart. Hey, look. When, um, so Battlezone, they had him booked to do a um, nah. a meet a meet and greet um, before he passed. And uh, I was excited because at first it's like, well, who's going to fight him? And then they was making the joke like, you can fight him. And I was like, to be honest, I would. But... I tell you right now, I'm gonna get my licks in, and my truck's already gonna be running, and I'm out of there because he's not gonna stab me with no fork or pencil or nothing like that. <laughs> but um, I'm a, I'm kind of sad because he's somebody that I grew up watching as well, and uh, I remember him in the early days on yeah. the um, mid south and stuff. So um, I uh, I was kind of disappointed. I don't want to say disappointed. I'm just sad. I'm so unfortunate that he passed away. But I was really looking forward to uh, meeting him and maybe chopping it up just a little bit. Um, but, you know, that's the way of the world. We come and we go. Yeah, but while yes, we're here, sir, we got to yes, make sir. the best of it, baby. So I got, I got one last request. You got a match coming up. Can you cut a promo? And then that's how I want to end the, the episode is, is, is if he could cut a promo and then I just kill it right there. All right. I don't want to put you on Listen. the spot. No, no, it, it, it's okay because I'm supposed to be cutting some promos, which should be showing up tomorrow. But um, listen, John Taylor, we crossed paths almost a year ago, a year ago. And when we, we were sitting in that locker room, across from each other, I knew that me and you, we were cut from the same cloth. We fight, we work hard, and we do everything we can to win. But unfortunately, the last show I was at, huh, your whole attitude changed. And I see how big that chip on your shoulder is. 
And unfortunately, sir, I don't like chips. I'm going to crush that chip on your shoulder. And I'm coming to walk the gallows. Now, I know you're not familiar with my gallows, good sir. But um, it's a fight for survival. Come Saturday, Alabama Wrestling Alliance in Theodore, Alabama. It goes down. You, sir, I suggest you get your affairs in order because you will walk the gallows. And, well, you tread lightly now, you heal.